who can indicate. Thank you, Chair. Uh, good morning, uh, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members and, 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 and the guest of the Portfolio Committee, as well as staff. Chair, my name is Virgil Seafield. I'm responsible for labor policy and industrial relations. With me, I have from the Deputy Minister's Office, I have Karabo Mahahane, and from the Minister's Office, I have Tando Ababa. Uh, uh, from my section, I have Mr. Temikosin Kalipi. In addition to the Chair, I have the, uh, uh, the Compensation Commissioner, Mr. Vuyu Mafata, uh, Ms. Polam Kamani, Ms. Minki Makudu, Advocate William Mokoshua, and Mr. Harry Mapololohela. Chair, those are the members of the department that are present in the meeting today. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Seafield. Without any wasting time, uh, waste of time, may I then uh, invite uh, Mr. Sakaza, the first uh, uh, institution or a person who is to uh, come and make a, a presentation. And we are humbly requesting that because these, uh, these proceedings are live, we have then been requested by, by, by parliamentary media uh, units that a person who is to speak must please switch on his, his or her video so that we are then seen. What we will do so that we don't mess up if there is a problem with connectivity. We will, I will switch off mine, but as I will then be speaking in between, I will then uh, switch it on when I am to speak. Everybody's, uh, everybody must mute. The only person who's going to unmute, it is the one who's going to make a presentation. Over to you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the first person to um, start the presentation is supposed to be Niasa at National Employers Association of South Africa, Mr. Gerard Papenfuss. Thank you, Chair. Over to you, sir. You have muted yourself. Is that, that good? There you are. Yes. Yeah, now you are unmuted. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair, and good morning to you, and uh, good morning to the uh, honourable members of the uh, Portfolio Committee. Uh, the National Employers Association of South Africa is one of South Africa's most prominent lobbyists for, for employers. Uh, we would like to make the following submission in respect of the COIDA Amendment Bill, uh, following the invitation by the Parliamentary Portfolio, Portfolio Committee on Employment and Labor. And I uh, wish to express my sincere gratitude for having this opportunity. The Compensation Fund has both a constitutional and a legislative mandate. In respect of the constitutional mandate, uh, the compensation fund is derived, its constitutional mandate is derived from the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa and specifically from the section which provides that all South Africans have a right to social security. 
The compensation fund is mandated to provide social security to all injured and deceased employees. Uh, in the respect of the legislative mandate, the following. The main objective of COIDA is to provide compensation for disabled uh, disablement caused by occupational injuries and diseases sustained or contracted by employees or for death resulting from injuries or diseases and to provide for matters connected therewith. It must be borne in mind that the compensation fund generates its income from levies paid by employers on a basis of a percentage of fixed term or fixed rate of the annual earnings of employees. Therefore, and in terms of the mandate of the compensation fund, employers expect that employees injured on duty will receive the best medical treatment expeditiously. Based on these criteria, unfortunately, the compensation fund is not fulfilling its mandate. The reason for this is simple. It is trite and widespread knowledge that the compensation fund is and has been structurally and operationally dysfunctional for some time. This is evidenced by repeated qualified audits by the Auditor General and a slew of court orders against the compensation fund for the non-payment of claims. The Minister of Employment and Labour is on record alluding to audit opinions by the Auditor General for the past five years, citing extended systematic problems which had not been resolved over many years. He had identified IT challenges, lack of skills and fraud and corruption as key factors affecting the fund's performance. Despite acknowledging these challenges, unfortunately and seemingly no action has been taken to address them. Given that the employer funds the compensation fund, when an employee is injured while performing duties at work, the employee should be able to access necessary specialized private medical care. Medical service providers then claim their fees for the provision of medical services from the compensation fund. However, because of the laborious administrative processes involved in claiming from the compensation fund, coupled with the aforementioned dysfunctionality of the fund, Medical service providers choose to cede their claims to third-party administrators in return for immediate payment at a fee charged directly to the medical service provider and not to the compensation fund. These third-party administrators therefore assist both employers and medical service providers to navigate the complex claiming process in order to process claims in the shortest possible time. This ensures that injured workers are treated timelessly and effectively, minimizing the financial burden on the employer and ensuring payment of the medical service provider. Failure to achieve prompt processing of claims causes a negative effect on employers and, and employers' operational capabilities. Unprocessed claims also causes cash flow problems for the medical, medical service providers, 
which in turn will cause them to refuse to treat employees who are injured on duty and potentially place the financial burden on the employer. This will undermine the constitutional right of an injury on duty patient to access quality healthcare and treatment. This will lead to a number of adverse consequences, including the inability of the employee to return to work and become productive and legal increased legal action, which leads to an increased burden on the legal system and on medical service providers and employers and the state. Since the current system cannot cope, it begs the question as to how domestic workers who have only now have been included into the ambit of the act will be affected should current arrangements be changed. And I'm referring to the involvement of third party administrators. administrators. The answer is quite simple. As new beneficiaries of the compensation fund, they will be excluded from quality health care. Intermediaries exist because of the inefficiency and dysfunctionality of the compensation fund in fulfilling its mandate. Third party administrators allow medical service providers to be paid expeditiously and to ensure that injury on duty patients receive quality health care. Injured workers cannot wait for a claim to be approved before receiving medical treatment, nor can the medical service provider wait for years before their invoices are paid, as it would cripple them, their practices financially. Employers who financially assist injured workers to obtain quality medical, private medical care swiftly will abstain from doing so should the lengthy process of claims be prolonged even further. NIASA has investigated the impact of the proposed COIDA amendment bill, and it is and is in and is in solidarity with other affected and concerned parties who are negatively affected by the dysfunctionality of the compensation fund, and to advocate for the efficient and effective functioning thereof. NIASA is in particularly in particular and vehemently opposed to the introduction of section 43 of the amendment bill. This section will prohibit the seeding of medical invoices by medical service providers to third party administrators who act as an uh, act as intermediaries between the employers, medical service providers and the compensation fund. Third party session debt as collateral and administration outsourcing are not unique to the compensation fund, but also assist effectively and efficiently within the road accident fund and the medical aid industry. Section 43 collapses the only element of the fund processes, funds processes that currently functions efficiently and will have a detrimental impact on the entire value chain including employers, injury on duty patients, and medical service providers, even to the fund itself. In the end, it will be the injured workers who will suffer most, as practitioners will no longer be willing to treat them, and they will be forced to pay personally or resort to public hospitals. 
which are already overburdened and rife with poor or non-existent service delivery. In addition to the effect that the proposed amendment has on medical practitioners, are the implications for employers who are compelled to pay a portion of the injured workers' remuneration while on sick leave, with a simultaneous right to claim such payment from the compensation fund. The inefficiencies of the compensation fund have a direct impact on the operational abilities of employers, seeing that the employer will be able to recover the payment from the fund and will also now not be allowed to cede this right negatively impacting on the employer financially. The explanatory memorandum to the bill does not provide any insight as to why the amendment to section 73 of the act is necessary, but only states the proposed amendment without any explanation as to the purpose thereof. This in itself is a fundamental flaw of the proposed amendment and therefore opens the door for a legal challenge. Legislation would normally be amended to address a shortcoming or anomaly in current legislation, address a societal ill or advance a political goal of government. Any proposed amendment which on the face of it is nonsensical and which is made without explanation as to the purpose thereof is bound to be viewed with extreme suspicion as a as a undisclosed and sinister reason will always be assumed further to this it serves very little purpose to invite comments on proposed amendments to legislation without providing the context and purpose of the amendment Nobody can seriously consider the virtues of drawbacks of an amendment without evaluating the reasons for and ultimate goal of such an amendment. Therefore, the omission of the reasons for and purpose of the proposed amendment makes it impossible for concerned parties to provide constructive input. It has been touted by some sorters that the purpose of the amendment is to avoid legal action against the compensation fund. As they are well aware that medical practitioners do not necessarily have the administrative capacity or expertise to navigate the complex and dysfunctional claims system, whereas third-party administrators have been successful in finalizing claims, often by way of lit litigation. Niasa therefore submits that the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee reconsiders the irrationality of Section 43. The consequences of Section 43 in, in relation to workers and the burden on the medical fraternity, which is already under strain due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Niasa employs government to remove Section 43 or allow for it to be amended in such a way that it is beneficial not only to medical service providers and, employ and employers, but also the workers who suffer injuries on duty. Nyansa find it incomprehensible that a fund, which is known for its administrative failures, would support amending legislation which would exacerbate their inability to function effectively 
and transparently. Unless an intervention is implemented to stop Section 33, uh, 43 from becoming operational, and an entire service sector would be abolished overnight, possibly also infringing on the constitutional right for individuals to freely choose their occupation, trade, or profession. Medical service providers and business must decide how they manage their affairs, not government. The proposed amendments will not only foster a culture of unaccountability un and worsen the corruption in the fund, but will cripple medical service providers and other businesses and deny injured workers quality health care. In its entirety, it is entirely unclear as to whom this proposed amendment will benefit. It does not benefit medical service providers. It definitely does not benefit third-party administrators. It does not benefit employers who finance the fund, and most certainly, it does not benefit injured employees. Therefore, it can only be assumed that there is a yet undisclosed benefit to government. Madam Chair, I thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for your presentation. Short, sweet, straight to the point. What we will do now, we will uh, allow members to ask you questions of clarity. They will ask you just questions of clarity. Good. And I'm um, again. Uh, uh, requesting members to just stick to that questions of clarity now. I am then inviting hands. Madam, must I keep my, keep my video on in the meantime? I keep it on. Well, you can keep it on, you can keep it off as long as it's not going to affect our, 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 our proceedings. You will come back with it on when you answer questions. I see Honorable Kondo, I see Honorable Dana. Any other hands that I may not be seeing? I see Honorable Kado. Any other hand? I see Honorable Ndabe. Any other hand? Uh, I will see the hand is uh, so it's honorable Mkondo. After honorable Mkondo, it will be honorable Ndabe. I'm sorry, it will be honorable Dana. It will be honorable Kado. It will be honorable Ndabe. And I just want to say to you, say the process, you will dot down all the questions that members are asking. And after that, we will then, after all members have asked questions, we will then request you to respond to each and every question. So it will be important that uh, you 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 jot down the the, the, the the questions. Honorable Mkondo. Uh, thanks, Chair. <clears throat> uh, good morning. 
uh, it's a new week. Good morning to you, Chair and um, Honourable Members. Chair, um, we welcome the presentation. I have two questions, Chair. Uh, the first one is, um, I understand the identified shortfalls of the two sections by uh, NISA, but um, I did not um, hear as to what do they suggest should be done to improve the situation. The second one is that one of the third party practitioners. Um, according to the presentation, they are able to fast track the compensation process. But then Chair, we have been in all spheres of government having uh, stakeholders and role players complaining about consultants. Is uh, NISA not taking third party, considering third party practitioners as uh, consultants? And uh, maybe uh, 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 resulting in government activities not to be cost effective. Thanks, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Mukonto. Honorable Dana. Thank you, Chair, and good morning. Please excuse me, I cannot switch on my camera at this moment because my bandwidth is very low. Um, thank you for the presentation. I just have uh, one, maybe two questions. Um, I don't think the committee nor the department fully comprehends the extent of legal challenges that will flow from the amendments to the bill, as is with regards to especially third-party practitioners, nor the extremely negative effect that will have on the workers at ground level. And I would like to um, ask the presenter just to just to explain that a bit further um, uh, yeah, so we can fully appreciate and understand the effect that will have. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Honorable Dana. Honorable Kado. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I think the points made about the irrationality of Section 43 are well made, but I would like to know if the presenter could clarify for the committee in hard numbers what the unemployment effects are likely to be on medical service providers if Section 43 goes through as it stands. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Kajo. Uh, Honorable Mdabe. Thank you very much, Honorable Professor. Good morning to you and good morning to the Honorable Members and all the guests. You have, you have muted. My side, I'm unmuted. Okay. We can't hear you. Uh, can you hear me now? No, you are too. You are still very soft. Uh, am I? Yeah. Now we are audible. Whether it's your network. Thank you very much. We, we can't. Uh, 
गुड मॉर्निंग you are still you are breaking and you are soft so we will uh, can you try and sort that out why we allow uh, the person to respond to the first three questions if you don't mind i think that will be fine we, let, let's just give mind. you time to sort are you sorted now can you switch off your video off can you hear me now okay can you can you try to no no can can i make this suggestion honorable honorable mdabe uh, whilst you are you are sorting your 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 positioning so that you are able to to be audible Let's get the response from the from the if there are any other questions for now for for from the presenter then we will come back to you. Thank you Che. All right, we will come back to you definitely. Uh, uh Mr. Khat, I hope I'm pronouncing your surname correctly. If you can can you then respond to the to the three members that have asked questions over to you sir can you please unmute it happens uh, is that right yes we can hear yeah. you thank you thank you madam chair um, in respect of the first question and uh, in respect of all the questions i just want to say if i uh, misunderstood the question uh, um, and uh, doesn't address it properly then please uh, alert me to that uh, the first uh, uh, honorable member said that i've uh, addressed the problem although i didn't uh, address the solution well, the solution to this is madam is that the compensation fund must uh, function effectively The, the, the reason why third admin third party administrators are playing a role in this value chain is simply because they are existing assisting businesses and medical uh, private practices to uh, to claim money from the fund efficiently if you if you take away that service this whole thing will collapse businesses and it, and doctors simply will not be paid anymore so how do you address this? the fund must must operate sufficiently um niasa has uh, served the interests of thousands of businesses all over south africa and all industries and we've done uh, um more than one uh, survey on the issue and the the complaints of uh, of businesses is simply overwhelming and and we as nasa itself is is as as helped a, and a particular employee after um uh, a huge motor car accident and we haven't been paid uh in full and there are thousands of rands outstanding and we simply and that's for years now 
we simply cannot take this matter to fruition. Uh, so what is necessary? The fund must do its job. A claim must be submitted, processed, and payment needs to be made. It's not happening. Um, I think the, the, the feedback from business is that the failing of the the failure of the fund to do its function is almost 100%. The, the place is, with respect, dysfunction. So this is the solution. Um, second question is, but is, aren't these third-party administrators consultants? No, madam, they're not consultants. They don't, they don't get paid by the state. And we, have, we share uh, the concern about consultants doing work for government. Uh, whereas the officials being appointed by government must be qualified to do the job themselves. That is why they are there. It doesn't include a specialized uh, uh, consultants doing a particular work for government. But in general, we say that the officials must do their work. But in this case, although the, the officials at the fund do not do their work, the... Um, the third-party administrators aren't consultants. They do not cost the fund a single cent. In fact, they assist the fund in, in without being paid in bringing a claim to fruition. Um, uh, they are paid by uh, the, the, the medical fraternity to help them. So the doctor does the work and then seed the claim to the third-party administrator. They're not consultants. They, they might be, they assist business and they assist the, uh, uh, the medical practitioners, but they do not get paid by government and therefore they are not uh, consultants. I think, however, that uh, they are a, a, um, uh, a bit of a irritation for the fund because they are focused on particular issues and they get results from the fund often, unfortunately, through legal action. And I think that the, the fund wants, to, wants them out of the fray simply because, uh, because of that role. But without that role, this whole thing will come to, come to a standstill. Um, if you look at uh, the third question is the legal challenges. Um, I think that uh, um, I'm not a third party administrator. I'm talking on behalf of business which make use of third-party administrators. And must just remember that a, a doctor who has done a job for a patient forfeits 25% of his or her uh, a fee to the, to the third-party administrator. The best thing, the first price is for the fund to, to function sufficiently and effectively. Uh, but... In the absence of that, what else must a doctor do? It is uh, the doctor doesn't cede um, this claim to um, to a third party administrator because it's a nice thing to do. It is a, it is a, simply because there's no other solution. Because sending an, a claim, forwarding a claim to the fund, is like throwing the claim in a deep hole. Uh, so. Um, Third-party administrators have a right to function in, in any situation. If, if you cede a claim to a third-party administrator in any respect, who's government to sell, sell you both through, by means of legislation that you can't do it? And I think there's, uh, there will be, just from that area, will have to be a legal challenge because you're taking away 
their bread, their earnings, but the, the source of their earnings. That is a business. It has become a business to people, and it's it is good and well. They assist business instead of doing that. A businessman can't go to the fund. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, if you call the fund, if you um, if you have a problem, I mean, it is a, it's a matter of impossibility. I mean, it, it is it is it is simply won't bring you anything. It won't bring you results. So you cede it to a third party who it focuses on that. Uh, resolving that problem, and uh, that is the choice of a business. And here, the businesses have found third-party administrative an agent who assists business. Now, that is what uh, that is what brokers in the insurance industry. If I have a car accident, I don't go to Santom. I'll send it to my broker. He is my broker to assist me. I don't have the time to stand in a queue at Santom, for instance. I send it to my broker. So, third-party. Uh, administrators are nothing more than a broker assisting the businessman, assisting the doctor. We cannot go to the fund and stand in a queue and every time he gets there, talk to somebody else who, in fact, don't know what's happened and even I can't even find the file. So, and do not respond to your uh, queries. So, um, that's their role. And I think that is a legitimate role which needs to be protected. And I expect a huge legal challenge from that fraternity. But there's also challenges from what will follow from doctors who uh, doctors who haven't uh, uh, received the money for the work they've done. That must happen if if uh, that is avoided. This thing, whereas you get now get uh, the third party administrating takes the fund to court on behalf of, of of a huge number of businesses, employers, and doctors. That will come from various sources, because if you don't get paid, the only option you have is litigation. Uh, and it will come from employers. You know, the, the employer, and sorry if I say, you know, because, you know, uh, the um, uh, employer has to pay an employee in, in respect of uh, injury that's uh, taking, uh, you know, it, uh, that uh, uh, requires that employee to be off a duty for three months or more that for the first three months you must pay that employee for 75 percent of your salary of his salary but he's not rendering his service that is a huge burden on the employer and uh, what if the employer pays that but do not manage for years to get this money back that will lead to litigation there is no alternative option and i say the the the, the, the fund will be inundated with legal challenges that in itself will cost them millions. And they will lose all of that because if you've got a, a, a valid claim, then you will win the case. So there's absolutely nobody that benefits from this. And I simply cannot see why the fund wants to do this. Um, I, I'm with respect, I don't think that was uh, thought through properly. Um, the fourth question, uh, if I understand, student. Uh, understood it well was that the, 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 issue, the impact of unemployment on the medical service profession. Uh, well, you know, uh, if, if, if medical service providers aren't paid, their practices will, of course, come under pressure. Uh, so I will fully understand if a medical practitioner says, I'm, I'm just not going to help you. Well, they will help an employee 
but it is, will be on the basis of the employer paying for that. But the employer don't have to pay for that. But employers do, but they don't have to. And if that it becomes the practice where there's no outside assistance, then employers will in future say, sorry, we, can't, we cannot do that. They say once bitten, twice shy. If you get if you've done it once or twice and three times, and then you come to a point where you say, I'm simply not going to do it anymore. So uh, that will have an impact on the sustainability of the, the practice of the medical service provider. And that causes strain on employment. As far as the third-party administrators are concerned, that industry will vanish overnight. Um, now, for, for no reason, because that, that particular industry is good for third-party administrators, is good for the industry. It assists everybody, and it keeps, keeps them alive. It keeps the medical pra practitioner alive. It helps the employer. Uh, and in the absence of that, you will, it will put strain financially on businesses and medical services providers, which are also businesses, and that, that also impact on employment. Madam Chair, uh, that's my um, answers to the first four questions, and uh, I hope I've, uh, I've addressed these questions. No, thank you very much. Honorable uh, Mugabe, have you managed to, to sort out your network challenges? I, I hope I have, Chair, if I'm audible, uh, let me hear from you. you. You are a bit soft. I don't know. Can you, can you hear him, sir? I can, madam. Oh, okay. All right, Honorable Mugabe. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. I'll be very brief. Uh, I'll just have one question uh, to the presenter. I heard him saying that uh, these amendments are nonsensical. You, you are still it's having a problem. I think we're still having a problem. Uh, are you, are you, is it possible for you to, to just write in the chat so that we read, we read that for the, for the presenter? Okay, fine. Thank you, Jay. Please, please do that. We'll just write that in the chat and indicate, and the, the secretariat will indicate whilst I'm, I'm, I'm also asking a question. It is my understanding that this committee has from time to time since it was formed called the Compensation Fund to come and present and in that presentation, it has also reflected on a number of challenges. Then, therefore, my question is to you, sir. Have you, have you ever been able to log in and listen to parliament 
or listen to the response on the, of the compensation fund in terms of the issues that you have raised in relation to the weaknesses of the system. I'm raising this because you are saying the, 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 the compensation fund is not doing its work. It's, 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 yes, because the minister has raised ABCD in terms of the IT, in terms of the, of the, of the, of the, of the fraud. And can, I, I just want to check that because I don't want to, I don't want to just, I, I want to get your understanding of what is taking place now as we speak in terms of the systems of the compensation fund. And, and the second one is that I'm, I'm worried that you are a bit general. I think Honorable Kado said, are you, are you able to give us hard numbers in terms of the impact? What will be the impact of Section 43 amendment in, 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 the, in, in, in terms of the workplace? You are, you are a bit general to me. Are you able to, to, to point and say as business, these, these are the businesses that we have, have an intersection with. These are the businesses that we have, we have assisted in communicating with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the compensation fund in terms of its weaknesses. But, but the question is, are you aware of, of what is happening in the compensation fund in terms of addressing the weaknesses that you have you have alluded to. I see that there is a there is a chat, honourable. There's a question in the chat, Mr. From Honourable Mdabe, Honourable. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Sakaza. Are you able to read that for us? Yes, Chair, I am. Can I go ahead? Yes, you can go ahead, and I hope that the gentleman will then be listening. Uh, Thank you, Chair. This is the question from Honorable Mdabe. It reads as follows. What does the presenter mean by referring to nonsensical amendment? Thank you, Chair. Okay. Those are the those are the those are the two questions that has been uh, that have been clarities that we are requesting uh, the presenter to 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 respond to us. We just want clarities. Over to you, sir. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Uh, I will deal with your uh, question first. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm aware of what's uh, what's uh, been said by the minister, uh, but it is general statements. I'm not aware what is happening at the fund as we speak. Uh, but what I do know is how it plays out on the ground. And uh, what I do know is that, that the people that which are affected, the receivers of the service by the fund complains. And I simply don't hear anybody saying anything other than the fund is dysfunctional. This is how it is today. Um, 
and, 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 and here I sit as a case in point where, where I don't get any service from the fund. And I'm talking about as an employer. And, and thousands of employers are, are experiencing exactly the same service. You know, I'm not, I'm not sitting, I don't have the right to do an inquiry at, at the fund as to what exactly they are doing to improve their services. All what I can, the only thing I can judge is how it plays out on the ground and how business experiences and that you do by means of a survey. Now, um, you said I was a bit general in respect of the impact that Section 43 will have. Well, the, the, the point is that an injury on duty is an, a thing that happens in individual case most of the time. It might, you know, when a mine is a mine accident, uh, for instance, of a building falling in on itself, you know, then there are many employees uh, injured. But generally, an injury on duty involves a single employee. So it is, it is, it is, it doesn't lead to unemployment. It leads, lead, it leads to a financial burden. As I said, it might lead to unemployment with medical practitioners, but we don't know what the impact will be when medical service providers no longer want to serve uh, injured workers because they don't have to. If they say, we don't get paid for this, so please don't come to me, go to a hospital, then there's an impact. If people know how it is like to sit at the other, unfortunately, I don't know, fortunately, I don't know, what it is like to sit at a, at a, at a, at a public hospital for two days with an injury and then walks out there and you next time you get, you've got to go back, you need to sit in a queue again for a follow-up uh, follow uh, uh, treatment. Um, that, that, doesn't lead, that doesn't lead to unemployment, but it, it leads to a financial loss to any business where... Uh, the worker that you're supposed to pay and are paying is not at work. So I'm not, if I'm general, you know, if, if I send out a survey of what is the unemployment that will be caused by the removal of the third-party administrators, all I can tell you that third-party administrators, these businesses, will cease to exist. And a function of the fund that is supposed to happen, happen which is not happening, will cease to exist uh, altogether. So I, I, I'm, I'm general because I can't say what unemployment it will cause because um, that I don't know. That, that, and I, I don't know whether there's anybody that can tell you that. And, and what do I mean with uh, the sentence that it's a nonsensical uh, uh, amendment? I'm saying that because it doesn't make sense if, if the... If nobody benefits, if the fund doesn't, uh, well, if the if the medical service provider doesn't benefit, if the patient doesn't uh, benefit, the the injury injured on duty employee doesn't benefit, if business doesn't benefit, well, who benefits? And and what is the reason then for the amendment? Uh, if if uh, especially when you do not say what the reason is for. The amendment, and in, in that sense, I refer to the amendment as nonsensical. We cannot, we cannot come to any understanding of why this is, why this amendment is introduced. That that is what I mean with nonsensical.
No, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, sir. I just want to ask the, the, just the last question because yeah. I, I think it's important that we do get these clarities from you. Yeah. Are you aware that, uh, are you aware that uh, the Compensation Fund is engaged in, in identifying the challenges that they are having as the fund? They have then engaged in a, a, a process of changing the system which they have picked up that it had serious loopholes and they have then migrated to a new system, a new system that is called, uh, uh, the previous system was Mashuko and now they are, they are in the new system called Comis. Are you aware of, 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 of those developments in the, in the, in, I'm raising this because you are, I'm, I'm, I, because I don't want to be unfair when we go into our deliberations to assume that you, you know, I want to be as far, as fair as possible that are you aware because you are forever labor, laboring into a system that is useless and that has collapsed or is collapsing. But I am asking this question to you that, are you aware that there are those developments in the fund? Madam, I'm aware of the system change. Um, Come again? Maybe, I say I'm aware oh, okay. of, I, I'm aware of a system that was changed, um, I would guess about two years ago. Okay. And what, what happened then was that, that, uh, um, a fund became from largely inefficient to entirely inefficient. So the system that was brought in, and I'm talking about two years ago, was a total failure and uh, made caused the fund to be totally dysfunctional. Now, if there's currently an investigation uh, or uh, some sort of an engagement as to the uh, you know, jacking up the system. I'm not aware of that. Uh, but, Madam, if the previous one has failed, I've got no reason to believe that the future one will fail. But here's the question. If, the, if it is not working, why force out, why dispel third-party administrators out of the system when the current system isn't working? Uh, I cannot see if people that that at least help business and medical service providers to get the job done, get rid of them because we are busy working on something. Madam, you know what? We've, we've been, uh, and I said it with the greatest uh, respect, I haven't seen much, many state interventions that actually worked. And I said it with the greatest respect, and I have no reason to believe that this intervention which according to you is happening, will change anything. Um, um, but, but even if it does, let's wait until it does work. And let me tell you, if, if, if the fund is, a fund is uh, as um, efficient as it is supposed to be, then uh, many people won't use the party administrator because why will they need to do it? They, you simply fill in your form, you send in your claim, and you get paid. And that is what it was sometime many years ago. It's not the case anymore. So let the market decide. That's the point. 
let the market decide. Let me as an employer decide if I have an injury on worker, uh, injury on duty uh, uh, injury. And I take that employee in my car, I take him to my doctor, and I said, treat this man, and here's the check, you paid. Then I come back and I call somebody and I said, assist me with the claim. Why removing that person out of the system? That we cannot understand. If, if you can be kind enough to us, you, you, you say the fund was, uh, there were many years, which time are you referring you that uh, it was easy to, 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 for people to be, to be compensated? by the fund before there were changes. Which, which, which time are you referring to? 20 years ago, I, I ma'am. 20 years, years ago. ago. 20, years ago. 20 years ago, it was the most efficient fund you could get. It was, but that ago. was 20 years ago. And if I say 20 years ago, that's a general statement, but it's a long time ago. Uh, that was, the fund was extremely efficient. You filled in a form, you send it, you send it in, the, 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 the claim was evaluated, processed, and employers were paid within weeks. That is how it used to work. That is currently not happening at all. And I would say the fund is, and I don't think I'm exaggerated too much if I say the fund is 100% dysfunctional at the moment. All right. Uh, thank you for those clarities. Are there any? I see Honorable Condos hand is up. I don't know whether it's a follow up or it's still the old. Uh... It's a it's a follow up chair. Yes, Honorable Condo. Can I just check if are there any follow ups? Any other new questions uh, for clarity? None, Honorable Condo. Honorable Nonsele, I see your hand is up. Honorable Mukwanda, the interview, Honorable Nonsele. Thank you very much. Chair, um, as the presenter is trying to clarify on the question that questions that have been uh, posed uh, to him, um, he's raising uh, some matters uh, that needs to be clarified themselves. So you, you will pardon us, Chair. Um, my question will be, if um, this fund was functional during the years that he has referred to when you asked him, uh, why are we having a lot of uh, litigations when it comes to the uh, 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 disease, the diseases, specifically uh, 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 in the in the mine sector, because wouldn't be where we are, Che, if uh, um, according to him, uh, this fund has been a uh, functional. We are having a lot of people in the mining sector that um, are, are are taking the mines to court because of the diseases that they contracted. Um, uh, during uh, their services in the mines, and it has taken years. They are not uh, compensated. They are sitting there in the rural areas, uh, in the Eastern Cape, Wazulunatal, Lipompo, Mpumalanga. They are still waiting uh, to be compensated. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Nonsele. Uh, 
Thank you, Honorable Nonsele. Thank, thank you. Uh, my, my area is a bit uh, bad on, on network. I will put off my, my uh, honorable member. I just want to make a follow-up on the, on the points that have been made by Mr. Gerard, on in particular with regard to the essence of the objections that they are making and submissions. Because uh, Mr. Herard goes on to say uh, the amendment essentially is in fact uh, infringing on the right of uh, his members or, or colleagues, uh, the right to do business. The amendment is essentially taking them out of business. So I want to check from him whether, for instance, the issue of immediate interest is the business or the issue is, uh, as he would uh, have made a submissions earlier again, that is that of, in fact, uh, making sure that there is ease of uh, claims and, and, and so on. That's the, that's the first area of clarity. The second one is with regard to the area that you have raised, uh, that I, I don't think that he has responded uh, quite fully. The question, for instance, of the extent to which, as MISA, have they in fact been following uh, processes uh, within the compensation fund, uh, the changes that have been made within the investigations, and largely, to what extent, for instance, has MISA sought to get clarities uh, from the department itself, or particularly from compensation fund, on the real essence of the amendment? Yeah, I just want to check on that because I quite get a lot of uh, uh, conflicting views on the same issues from him. Hence my two points of clarity. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, uh, honorable members. Mr. Hart, please respond. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, when I refer to the fund uh, that was very functional uh, many years ago, uh, I'm simply saying that there was a time in the fund's history where when you submitted your claim, it was dealt with. And everybody benefited. The uh, honorable member referred to uh, uh, accidents in, in the mining industry for instance, uh, where there are still claims today. Well, you know, that if that has happened, if there was a, a claim many years ago, I, I'm, not, I'm not currently aware, and there might be cases where uh, um, there are now claims against, against uh, mining houses for um, unsafe, uh, in a safe environment, uh, at the time, that may be the case, and and I, and I and I and I think that will be the case. When that, that's not a, that is not necessarily the issue that we're dealing with. That is a question of employees now starting to suffer the consequences uh, of certain uh, unhealthy conditions many years ago, and and we know the the issue surrounding asbestos for uh, 
for uh, as an example. So that has happened, Madam. I'm referring to the individual claims submitted to the fund. Now, there may be a, a situation years ago when employees have, uh, have claimed uh, and those claims were turned down for, for a particular reason. But at least if that's happened, and I hope I answer the question, if that's happened, at least the matter was, uh, was uh, dealt with by the fund and somebody, either the employer or the employee, has taken the fund to court. Um, at least the matter was been was been dealt with. But uh, we're talking about mine safety here. What's transpired many years ago? I can't go into that because I don't have that detail with me. You know, if I was, I didn't expect that question necessarily. But uh, the fund, you, there was a time when this fund was very effective. As far as the uh, our interest in the matter is concerned, the infringing of the people to, to do business, not a single third-party administrator, as far as I know, is a member of NIASA. I'm not acting on their behalf. I'm acting on behalf of businesses which employs employees who gets injured on duty, which is entitled to immediate, sufficient, high-quality uh, health care, which pay the employee salary for the period at least up to three months and 75%, which is a statutory obligation on the employer to pay for that employee while that employee is not at work. It is in the interest of business to have that employee treated immediately. So I'm talking here on behalf of businesses who whose employee is injured and doesn't get serviced, doesn't get treatment expeditiously and properly. I'm talking about the medical uh, um, fraternity, which doing the job, and I'm not, I'm not appointed by them to, 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 to talk about them, but I know they must be suffer, suffering through this. You, you suffer when you render a service, but you don't get paid. I'm talking about the employee. <coughs> who will welcome when he gets injured on duty to be taken to a private, private medical practitioner and get immediate attention. But then the system needs to work. So I have no personal interest in this matter. Uh, what I do say is, as a businessman who has paid the, who's paid the employee, I have the right to approach a third-party administrator and say, please help me to get my money back. As a medical service provider, I have the right to approach a third-party administrator to say, help me to get my money back. Uh, that is my right. And I simply cannot see if, and I mean, the, the, the world is full of a panel beater as a person that fixes your car. You can fix them yourself, but you get a third party, you get an, a, a, a panel beater to fix the car. We can fix, as an employer can fix that claim himself, but it is, it is uh, more viable to get somebody else in the current circumstances to do it for you. And I'm referring to the current system where you simply don't get a claim out of the fund. In respect of the last uh, uh, question is, what did we do to find out from the department what is the reason behind this? Sir, if you write a letter to the department, and trying to find out what the reason is for that. Well, I wish you good luck with respect. 
the, if 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 it, it it if it it would have been provided through in the explanatory memorandum and in the bill, if there was a reason, well then put it there, because nobody will put their hands on paper to say why they do something if they haven't done it in the first place in the explanatory memorandum. Uh, so you know we work on what we see. Um, this is the explanatory memorandum. It is supposed to say what the reason for this change is, and it doesn't. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Hart, we will uh, we we had you, but I would I, in moving forward, I would I would really uh, remember that we are a committee that is oversighting. The, the department, and if there are, I'll, I'll say, allegations of this nature, an allegation of the nature that you are raising, that the department is not responding to whatever they are requested to respond to, well, not now, at another time, I think the department is here they will have to clarify that to us because our understanding is that each and every complaint or memo or whatever that public, whether business, pests uh, or whoever is asking from a department from government, it must be responded to. But yeah, thank you very much. We will, uh, I think we have, you have responded to all the questions. As much as I will, I will, I will, I will indicate to you that uh, the reason that we are asking these clarities is because we want to, and the, the, the reason we are asking pointers is because when we are amending law, it's important that you don't become general. You are pointed to, I make an example, in nineteen, in nineteen ninety, this. This unit compensation fund was working tops. I'm just making that example, the pointer. But you then said 20 years ago, I think that would be sufficient for us. Thank you very much, sir. You, you, if you want to remain, you are, you can do that. If you want to log out, it's all up to you. But uh, you are free to to come in at the time, in whatever time that you want to come in to listen to what other people are saying. Thank you very much for your presentation. Thank you, Madam Chair, and uh, thank you for affording me the time and uh, thank you to all the honorable members of the committee. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Mr. Sakaza, who is the next? Thank you, Chair. Um, next, uh, the organization is quite linked. Uh, Mr. Gideon Gadimain is given the um, co-host uh, so that he can share if he has got this uh, uh, presentation. Quite linked. Mr. Gadimain, over to you, sir. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Sakaza. Uh, good morning, Chairperson, uh, honorable members of the Portfolio Committee, um, the Deputy D Director General of the Department, the Commissioner of the Compensation Fund, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Gideon Ngadimeng. I am the non-executive chairman of Quaid Link, 
And I want to take this opportunity to thank this committee for giving us this moment to make our oral submission. Um, Sorry, chair this. Can I request Mr. Oh, okay. It was somebody was disturbing you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank the committee for giving us this moment to make this oral submission on the COIDA Amendment Bill. We as COIDLINK, we value this opportunity to promote a meaningful and constructive engagement on a legislation that affects uh, our communities. I'm joined today uh, by the Chief Executive Officer of COIDLINK, uh, Mrs. Uh, Leah Nzao, as well as the Chief Operating Officer, Mr. Dierval Teichler, uh, who will be available to assist me in uh, any questions that I cannot, cannot address uh, uh, with your permission, Chair. Chairperson, the COIDLINK is one of the companies that are affected by the proposed amendments uh, on the Compensation for Occupational Injuries and Diseases Amendment Bill, which I'll refer to as the COIDA Amendment Bill. And appreciates how the committee has handled this bill thus far, particularly the transparency and openness to guide the public at the various stages uh, in processing this bill. By way of background, COIDLINK has a proven track record over 20 years of working with the Compensation Fund, with employers, medical services providers, for the benefit of workers who are injured on duty. We put the interest of workers injured on duty at the center of what we do. We are a 100% black owned and controlled business, trusted by over 1,800 medical services providers to administer and pre-fund their injury on duty claims, which I'll call uh, IOD claims. At COIDLINK, we provide clients, our clients, who are the medical services providers, with administration, working capital, and management of their IOD claims. In turn, these clients, the medical services providers, treat over 50,000 workers per annum who are injured on duty, and generate over 150,000 invoices, which we process, vet, and submit to the Compensation Fund annually on their behalf. Over the 20 years that we've been in existence, we have facilitated treatment of over a million workers who are injured on duties, and we've processed, vetted, and submitted over 3 million invoices to the Compensation Fund. This makes COIDLINK a key stakeholder and partner of the Compensation Fund, with whom we continue to have a very constructive and productive working relationship. We've consciously taken a decision to work as a partner to the Compensation Fund to serve the needs of workers who are injured on duty, who are the ultimate focal point of the COIDLINK business model. Our main submission today is to plead with this committee to remove the proposed section 734 of the COIDA Act as per section 30, 43 of the COIDA Amendment Bill, and we'll share our reasons uh, with this committee. We're aware that uh, parliament in is in recess and that members of parliament would typically be busy with their constituency work at this time. 
And we're therefore grateful, Chairperson and the honorable members of the committee for this opportunity. And I sincerely hope that this engagement will be very useful to the important work that you do. <clears throat> Chairperson, in compliance with the consultative process, we have provided written submission to the committee uh, on the 15th of February this year. Um, <clears throat> but I don't intend to go through that submission. Uh, instead, I want to briefly discuss four key points which I'd like to uh, focus the committee's attention on. I'll begin by clarifying the, the role of uh, claims administrators and the purpose of pre-funding to clear what appears to be a confusion or a misunderstanding of the presence of claims administrators in the IOD uh, claims value chain. I'll present in our view the impact on the medical and, or, or the health uh, industry if the proposed amendment is accepted as is, and this section 43 is retained in its current form. Thirdly, I will allow, outline some of our proposals that uh, the committee can consider. We hope that this is a constructive engagement and trust that the legislation will be able to accommodate all parties. Our proposal will address any concerns that the Department of Labor and uh, Department of Employment and Labor and the Compensation Fund may have regarding the claims administrator's role and, and the role of pre-funding in particular. And in the fourth instance, I will draw the committee's attention to certain commitments or previous commitments that were made by this committee or to this committee, which we believe will go a long way to providing clarity on some of our concerns with the bill and ensure that the Department of Employment and Labor have all the facts on the table in processing and finalizing this very important legislation. <clears throat> Chairperson and members of the committee, Coidlink is one of the companies that offers claims administration services on IOD claims. We assist medical services providers across all spectrum of the health industry, including emergency services, rehabilitation facilities, provincial hospitals and private hospitals, as well as specialist doctors, by working closely with the compensation fund to ensure that workers who are injured on duty receive proper treatment as intended by the COIDA Act. We do so by ensuring that medical services providers who provide treatment to injured workers can claim as prescribed by the law from the compensation fund without much difficulty. We have worked constructively with the Compensation Fund for over 20 years, and this relationship has been very productive. Our efforts have always been about service to injured workers who, who is our wish to see, and it is our wish to see this relationship uh, continue. As a key partner, we frequently communicate in meetings, in writing, and telephonically with the commissioner, with the fund executives and members of staff of the Compensation Fund, and we maintain records and minutes of, of these meetings. Honorable Chairperson, allow us to clarify the misconception on the role of claims administrators. In our view, the, the, the involvement of claims administrators in the process of submitting uh, IOD claims does not in any way introduce additional costs to the compensation funds. 
our fees as CoedLink are paid by the medical uh, services providers for the pre-funding services that we render to them. And it's not paid by the injured workers or the employers or the compensation fund itself. The tariffs for medical services are gazetted by the compensation funds. And these tariffs do not permit any additional charges um, that are levied by medical services providers, except those that are gazetted by, by the fund itself. The perception that pre-funding introduces additional costs to workers or employers, or that the involvement of claims administrators prolong payments to beneficiaries is completely without merit. As claims administrators, we do not deal directly with workers. We do not receive money from workers who have suffered injuries on duty. We only deal with our clients who are the medical services providers and on their behalf, we deal with the compensation fund. A typical claims administrator is a professional institution that provides services to medical services providers. It will typically have internal governance and audit processes that ensure compliance with all relevant legislations uh, and uh, state of organs such as the South African Revenue Services, the Unemployment Insurance Fund, CIPC and the compensation fund. The claims administrator would identify possible risk areas for non-recovery where treatment may fall outside of the scope of the um, injuries as well as where treatment may not be covered in terms of the, uh, the COIDA Act. Um, and typically um, where it involves repudiation, repudiations or where claims will not be reopened. We vet and pre-filter any claims documentation and ensure compliance before submitting claims to the compensation fund. Claims administrators are regularly audited by the compensation funds. They often request a submission of records such as claims, invoices, supporting documentations, client details, etc. And CoidLink typically responds to these requests in less than 24 hours. By taking responsibility for vetting and processing claims submitted to the compensation fund, claims administrators such as CoidLink relieve both the medical services providers and the compensation fund itself of large or huge um, administrative burden. In addition, in, instead of the compensation fund dealing with over 1,800 individual uh, medical practices in, in the instance of Quaidlink, um, <clears throat> an entity such as ourselves provides the communication buffer absorbing all communications, telephone calls, queries, etc., from medical services providers um, and administrating staff. And the compensation fund in turn deals with only one uh, entity representing all of those clients. Claims administrators use their knowledge and experience to engage with the compensation fund to improve the relationship between the compensation fund, uh, workers, employers, and the medical services provider. Representative members of the committee to provide context that should 
we considered in finalizing the COIDA amendment bill, we thought it necessary to put forward uh, the following facts on record. Claims administrators can provide one of two services uh, to medical services providers. The first being the processing of, of claims to uh, process and submit medical services providers claims against the compensation fund for a fee, which we typically refer to as an admin fee, administration fee. As we mentioned before, this administration fee, which is negotiated on an arm's length basis between the um, administrator and the medical services provider, is paid for by the medical services provider, not the injured workers. The second service um, that claims, services, uh, claims administrators provide is that of pre-funding, which I'll explain in a minute. Some claims administrators provide only uh, admin services or claims processing services, uh, such as accounting firms provide that, while others like CoidLink uh, provide claims processing, pre-funding either separately or as a bundled service. Uh, to, ex to explain uh, pre-funding, pre-funding refers to a service where a claims administrator provides working capital funding to the medical services provider. In return, the claims administrator, like Quedlink, takes over the medical services provider's claim against the compensation fund as collateral or as security for that working capital provided, i.e. the medical services provider cedes their right of action in the claim against the compensation fund to the claims administrator. The claims administrator then has a legal right to receive payment from the compensation fund and to perform all the actions compliant with the compensation fund stipulations to collect on that claim. To provide this pre-funding service, the claims administrators may be funded by other institutions, such as uh, registered banks in South Africa, who would interrogate the integrity and the compliance of this business model and practice. While pre-funding provides cash flow relief to medical services providers, it makes it the responsibility of the claims administrators to ensure that all claims um, that are submitted comply 100% with the legislation and the gazetted terms to ensure that they are able to recover the claims from the compensation fund. By utilizing pre-funding, medical services providers do not suffer the lack of cash flow while they're waiting for the compensation fund to settle and pay valid claims. This enables them to prioritize and focus on their core purpose, that being their provision of quality medical care to workers who are injured on duty. In our experience as CoidLink, it can take over 180 days or sometimes several years for the compensation fund to settle and pay valid claims. Our clients, the medical services provider, do not have the financial capacity to fund their operations over this period that it would take for the compensation fund to settle and pay their claims. Over the past 10 years, the compensation fund has changed their IT systems three times. With each change, 
resulting in interruptions to their, their service levels, some of which have resulted in prolonged periods of non-payment. Where there are such undue delays in paying valid claims, the claims administrator would have the right to approach the courts to seek relief. The provision of cash flow to or cash flow funding to the medical services provider to enable them to run their practices efficiently, which we refer to as pre-funding, is the practice that this amended section uh, 73.4 uh, is seeking to do away with. Section 73.4 seeks to prohibit the business practice of claims administrators and other financial institutions, including banks, from providing working capital funding to medical services providers through the pre-funding and seeding of medical um, uh, claims or IOD claims as collateral. As CoidLink, we are at a loss as to reasons behind efforts to prohibit such a legitimate and necessary financial services offering. Person, it is our contention and our concern that the proposed new section 73.4 of the COID Act will negatively affect workers, job creation, the healthcare system itself in our beloved country, while at the same time depriving existing. Sorry, Mr. Nkadiming, sorry. I, I lost you somewhere there because there was there was just your 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 system was a bit bled. I couldn't I couldn't pick up what you you are saying in terms of what will be lost there. What what then the implications of the amendment in your view? I I, I just couldn't. If you can repeat, certainly, Chair. Um, our, our contention and our concern, uh, Chairperson, is that the proposed uh, new section seventy three four of the Quaid Act will negatively affect workers job creation, the healthcare system in our country, while at the same time depriving existing claims administrators of their asset. Um, <clears throat> with regards to workers, most workers, particularly in rural areas, rely on medical services providers to get prompt and efficient medical care when injured on duty. The proposed amendment will likely result in them being turned away from these healthcare facilities that are close to um, their places of employment and having to resort to traveling to regional public healthcare facilities. South Africa's public healthcare system was already overcrowded and understrained prior to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and is not likely to cope with increased uh, medical cases. Taking away the opportunity of medical services providers to trade in, so to speak, their IOD claims to get cash in time to continue treating their patients will leave many vulnerable workers without access to basic health care. Section 73 would also destroy legitimate taxpaying businesses and destroy jobs and livelihoods of the claims administrator. Claims administrators such as ourselves who provide pre-funding will simply cease to exist. We would close our businesses uh, immediately and the men and women who have built 
wealth of experience and knowledge of offering services, uh, administration services to medical services providers uh, will be uh, without work. Added to this, there will be a direct impact on our supply chains, and this may lead to further job losses as companies like Coidlink empower various other small and medium uh, enterprises that service us, such as uh, IT companies and um, human resources companies. Supply chain disruptions may lead to further unintended uh, job losses. Uh, Coidlink has around 60 suppliers across a wide range of economic sectors that we benefit, that benefit from our, our operations. Our clients, especially the emerging uh, medical services providers, the majority of whom are black medical practitioners, do not have the sufficient cash resources that will and will be reluctant to treat um, workers who are injured on duty if they, if they don't know that they will receive uh, their, their, their money in time or their payments in time. In the worst case, they may refuse altogether to treat uh, these workers, and, and we have witnessed uh, several such reports. The proposed legislation would mean that only the established, well-resourced uh, medical services providers, uh, mainly white medical professionals, would be able to carry this financial burning and be the only ones who are part of the compensation funds, uh, the compensations uh, benefits value chain. The proposed legislation would only set up more barriers of entry to medical services sector or emerging medical uh, services or providers and professionals and reverse the transformation gains that the medical industry has made today. The proposed uh, section 42 of the COIDA amendment bill is retroactive uh, in its current form. If the committee and parliament elect to retain this proposed new section 43 of the COIDA Act, and it is enacted as legislation by the president, it would immediately render all pre-funding of valid claims, regardless of payment having been made um, uh, on such claims, null and void. This means the claims administrators would forfeit their right to payment of valid claims that medical services providers have already ceded and received payment for, and which those claims administrators have already submitted to the fund for payment based on uh, a legally binding contract with our clients. The proposed new Section 73.4 will lead to existing claims administrators, such as Coidling, being deprived of their assets by the state. The Compensation Fund often reports that there are no backlogs in processing and settling uh, IOD claims. However, the recent introduction of the new uh, IT system, CompEasy, that prohibits claims administrators from initiating the claims on behalf of employers has led to an unintended bombardment of paper claims at labor centers across the country. And this has significantly increased backlogs. Jefferson, these are some of the immediate negative consequences that we see arising out of this new proposed new section uh, 73 4. 
Unfortunately, we don't see any immediate benefits or long-term um, benefits to the compensation fund or the Department of Employment uh, and Labor arising out of this proposed amendment. Chairperson, as I stated at the, at the beginning of our presentation, our plea is that this new section 73.4 of the COIDA Act as per section 73 of the amendment bill be removed. This new section will lead to job losses, reduced economic activities, and will put the lives of injured workers at risk due to lack of adequate access to healthcare. Something which we do not believe is the intention of this committee, the department or the compensation fund. However, if the Minister of Employment and Labor and the Commission of the Compensation Fund have specific concerns regarding the involvement of claims administrators, that's the COID link, in the IOD claims process and practice, and the practice of pre-funding, we want to make the following two proposals. The first is that the departments should conduct a detailed study on the specific concerns and engage the key stakeholders in the IOD claims value chain, including the claims administrators. And should the study reveal a real need of some form of legislation, then a department would draft such legislation based on specific findings of such a study. Our second proposal is that the Department of Employment and Labor, together with the Compensation Fund, should use the good relationship that they have um, with companies that are providing pre-funding to explore a system of accreditation or licensing. In this way, all companies that provide pre-funding to medical services providers with claims to the Compensation Fund will be well-known to the, to the fund and, and, and uh, well-regulated. Jefferson, I'd like to conclude our presentation by drawing the committee's attention to three key questions relating to this consultative process as it has unfolded over the recent while. I'm led to believe that in the past, this committee had some concerns regarding claims administrators and the, and the business model of pre-funding. I hope my presentation today has clarified some of these concerns. Nevertheless, we would be pleased to receive uh, any update and clarity uh, from the committee on any of those concerns. Secondly, Chairperson, I'm also led to believe that the department briefed this committee on the 4th of November last year as members and, and that one member asked why the proposed new section of uh, 73 of the COID Act was not included in their presentation um, to, to, to this committee at that time. At which point um, the chief director of the department, uh, Mr. Tembinko Kalipi, uh, is said to have responded and I quote, after looking at the law, the department felt that section 73.4 does not need to be amended. Our interpretation of this response is that while the department had included this section in, this, in, in the amendment bill, introducing this new section 73.4, 
they do not see it necessary. If our interpretation is correct, is incorrect, uh, we ask Honorable Chairperson that this committee request the department to provide details on the purpose and import of this new section 73.4 of the Quota Act, including uh, what Mr. Kalipi meant by his response to this committee in November last year. Lastly, Chairperson, I believe that on the 10th of June in 2020, the committee paid a visit to the compensation fund. It was during that meeting that the committee made a request to the Department of Employment and Labor to investigate the activities of claims administrators and to report back to this committee at the next engagement. Chairperson, we humbly ask whether such an investigation was conducted and that the department share any such reports with the public as it may shed some light on the concerns that the department and or the compensation fund have. On the other hand, if the investigation requested by this committee was not undertaken, um, <clears throat> Honorable Chair, we, we would ask this committee to revisit the commitments made by the department and engage the key stakeholders, possibly using the um, services of a reputable, a reputable independent consultant before finalizing the amendments to this bill, uh, particularly the, the, the section we've, we've alluded to. So thank you once again for this opportunity, Chairperson and members of the committee. We just wanna say at the end of this process, what is important is that we protect workers who are injured on duty and who need uh, medical uh, treatment. That chair concludes our uh, submission. I'm happy to answer questions. As I mentioned earlier, uh, with your permission, uh, I have the CEO and the CEO who to assist me in responding to any questions. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable. Uh, thank you, Mr. Nkatimeng. Honorable members, uh, that is the presentation. Uh, can I get uh, hands for clarity? I see two hands for now. And, uh, and, and uh, three. And if there are people who want to have a problem with connectivity, may they please uh, uh, submit those to the chat, write those in the chat box so that Mr. Sakaza will then read them to us. Uh, for now, it's Honorable Dana, Honorable Nkondo, and Honorable Kado in that order. Honorable Dana. Thank you, Chair, and thank you, Mr. Nkadimeng, for the presentation. I just have two short questions and then I have a comment. The first one is, um, could you please just shortly sum up what the effect will be on the workers on ground level um, should the amendments to, for instance, Section 43 be accepted as is? 
And then secondly, the DG of the Department of Employment and Labor is on record stating during one of our committee meetings that third party administrators are part of the problem, I'm paraphrasing, um, and or, or part of the reasons why the compensation fund is dysfunctional. And then I quote him when he said that they, the administrators, appoint ex-compensation fund employees who know the loopholes and how to manipulate the system. So I'd just like to know what Mr. Nkadimeng's comments are on that statement. I think for clarity, that's important. And then also, um, Chair, just my comment in passing, I find it worrying that two of the presenters already today, and I could not find it either, um, could not find a clear motivation or reason for the Section 43 amendments that are currently being presented to the Committee for Amendment of the Bill. Um, and I think that we should urgently inquire from the Department why that is, and then we should get reasons for this, because it's quite important to take into consideration. So, Thank sorry. you, Chair. Sorry. We are asking questions of clarity. Our comments, which may at times be bothering into starting to, 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 be, to be involved or engaged in the deliberations, can members dot those down? Because you are then going to put the chair in a very challenging situation. We are not yet deliberating. We are just ask, ask, asking questions of clarity. So I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, uh, just cautioning and humbly requesting members. I know it's a, it may be a new process, it may be a, a tempting process, but please questions of clarity, so that when we then go and deliberate, we will then raise all our observations, our concerns, and whatever. Uh, Honorable Cado. Uh, thank you, Chair. I'm just unmuting myself. Um, thanks very much to the presenter for spelling out the fatal flaws in Section 43 and explaining very clearly and logically, I thought, why it should be axed. My question of clarity relates to the second proposal mentioned in your closing remarks. I wanted to ask you to please elaborate on your second proposal, which, as I understood it, is to explore a system of accreditation and licensing for pre-funders. I wanted to know how exactly do you envisage this working? And if, as we know, the fund is and has been for a long time in somewhat of a shambolic state, why would this system of accreditation and licensing be likely to work any better than uh, the way in which claims are currently administered or maladministered. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, honorable members. Uh, Mr. Nkatimeng, those are the, those are the questions. Thank you, Chair. I, sorry, Chair, uh, I thought there was a third uh, uh, honorable member who had a question. No, um, I'm going to. Thanks, Chair. Um, I was about to to tell you, Chair, that um, seemingly uh, you have forgotten that my hand. Uh, 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 Chair, 
um, the presentation um, talked to specifically the proposals, talked to licensing, accreditation, and regulation of claims by the uh, administrators. Uh, my first question say, will be, considering the fact that the presentation, in the presentation itself, they said they administer plus minus 50,000 claims and 1,000 and 150,000 invoices per annum. That's a quite a big number, Chair. So my question will be the first one. Will claim uh, administrators have a capacity to comply with administrative requirements? Should the department and the compensation fund decide to take up their proposal? And how do they see this working? Um, the second question, uh, Chair, uh, will they be transparent? Um, particularly in the involvement of uh, pre-funding in terms of their business and engagement with the compensation fund and uh, medical service providers. The last one, will this approach not marginalize uh, smaller claims administrators? Um, some who are not involved only in claims administration and not uh, a pre-funding. And how will this work uh, in that case? Uh, because Chair, if uh, people are dealing with a big number uh, of, of something or claimants in this case, it is easy for them to focus on um, the big uh, 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 players in a particular field. That is why I'm asking, Chair. Thanks, Chair. Uh, thank you, Honorable Mkondo. Honorable Nonsele. Thank, thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, let me again uh, welcome the presentation by Mr. Nkatiman and the on behalf of this group. Uh, the question is about the question of quantities because uh, Mr. We, we have got a problem with your Sorry, Honorable Nonsele. Sorry, Honorable Nonsele. In the various businesses that currently Honorable Nonsele. For claims and so on. Honorable Nonsele. 
We have got a problem with your. Yes, you are not. You are not audible enough. You. You can. I think there's a problem with your with your with your with your connection. Are you still around? You seem to have. Okay, whilst Honorable Nonsele is still trying to sort himself out, Mr. Nganti Beng will allow you to respond to the to the questions and then we'll then go back to Mr. Nonsele. There, there's a question in the chat. Mr. Sakaza, can you read that for us? Thank you, Chair. I was just going to say what I was arguing. Chair, it is a question from uh, Honorable Nonsele. It says, please clarify whether if claims uh, are annually are by your company only or by claims administrators? And I repeat, Chair, please clarify whether 50K claims annually are by your company only or by claims administrators. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. Sakaza. Mr. Nonsele, Honorable Nonsele, are you? Okay, we'll, we'll check on him. Mr. Nkatibeng, can you, can you respond? Thank you, Chair. Maybe let's deal with the last question from uh, Honorable Ndabe. Uh, <clears throat> the 50,000 claims that I mentioned are only for Coedlink. Uh, it's not, not the, ind the entire industry, I think. The, uh, the, the entire industry is much much bigger than that. We, we we are just part of the, the industry. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I may um, call upon the uh, executives to answer some of the questions, uh, particularly as it relates to detailed information. But just to go back to the first question of uh, Honourable Denner. Um, in terms of clarifying specific uh, effect on workers on the ground. Um, you know, from our perspective, um, the, the effect will be the deprived or the limited access to um, healthcare facilities. Um, as we mentioned, the, it is likely that uh, medical services providers that we support uh, will either reduce or completely turn away um, the workers who are injured on duty uh, if they are not confident that the, the, the payments will, will be effected in time, especially if they are um, of the view that, you know, we are no longer uh, permitted to provide them with pre-funding. Um, <clears throat> that will have a big impact on their cash flows and they may then focus to uh, on cash paying customer or cash paying payments rather than uh, uh, workers who are injured who are who have this benefit uh, from from the Hoida Act. Uh, I don't have specific numbers. We haven't done a specific study. This is really just our understanding from having engaged with with our clients on on the impact of of this proposed uh, amendment. Um, <clears throat> with regards to the, um, the contention, uh, in terms of the second question from Honorable Dana, the contention that claims administrators 
uh, hire ex-employees of the compensation fund who manipulate the system. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that in our instance, we, we, we do not see the merits of, of, of that allegation. The system itself, um, you know, we as claims administrators cannot manipulate the system. We just comply with the system. Um, in our experience, fraud arises from collusion between a patient and a medical services provider or collusion between um, those uh, beneficiaries and internal employees at the fund. The, the claims administrator simply just submits what they've assessed as valid claims, and there is no uh, opportunity to either inflate a claim because the tariffs themselves are gazetted or um, present a fictitious uh, claim to, 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 to the department or to the compensation fund because each claim needs to be uh, evidenced by supporting uh, documents. So <clears throat> I think the, that perception uh, was broad. Uh, we have not seen uh, specific evidence of, of that, uh, but obviously we can't talk for the entire industry. Um, <clears throat> with relation to the questions from Honorable Cardo, I think part of Part of it is also overlaps with the question from uh, Honorable Mukonto on the um, elaborating clearly on our proposals. Uh, <clears throat> I think I'll start with the, the context of our proposal is really to be constructive in, in, in the engagement as we have been with the compensation fund itself. Um, <clears throat> our clear view is that the way we currently work uh, and especially the way we uh, provide pre-funding to medical services providers works perfectly uh, from our perspective in, ter in terms of providing a service to, um, to the, these medical services providers. And, you know, we, through this building, this close relationship with the compensation fund itself, we somehow managed to navigate you know, various challenges and, and, and difficulties. Um, <clears throat> given that we don't understand what the uh, compensation fund or the department is trying to address, we came up with these options to say, perhaps they could build a closer relationship with claims administrators by introducing some sort of accreditation or licensing uh, process which will really clearly identify who is this uh, claims administrator, what is their role, if there's, a, if there's a, a sense or a suspicion, as we indicated earlier, that this, this, this involvement of uh, claims administrator inflates cost, we can give them you know, that clarity that you know, only the, the medical services providers are the ones who pay uh, these costs uh, of, of, um, or these fees from uh, claims administrators. Uh, and and uh, so it's not our wish to further uh, increase barriers of entry, uh, to further introduce additional costs uh, into, into the system. It's simply what we think could be uh, an, an opportune option for 
the compensation fund or the department just so that they are confident that uh, claims administrators perform a legitimate and needed uh, service to their clients who are their uh, medical services providers. Um, in terms of how we think it would work, um, and this is this is really just a thought, um, I, I'm going to ask uh, Mrs. Lianzhao, who's the CEO, to maybe explain um, on how to how how we would envisage the uh, the licensing process or the accreditation process working, given given the experience that we've had with the compensation fund. Um, and maybe also, Leia, if you could also address um, how we will be transparent with the compensation fund and uh, how we, we will make or how the, the accreditation process can make sure that uh, it does not marginalize the um, smaller claims administrator. Leia? With, Thank with you very much. Um, Madam Chair, uh, Portfolio Committee members, and um, DG, and the Commissioner of the Compensation Fund, and ladies and gentlemen. Um, one of the most first things that I would like to clarify very clearly, as we sit right now, we are compliant with all the requirements of the Compensation Fund to switch invoices into the fund. There are criteria that are set up by the fund that we followed. In addition to that, Every year when the compensation fund is audited by the auditor general, all the supporting documentations of any claims that they have queries about the compensation fund immediately sends us queries, which will respond within 24 hours. So the issue of us being compliant and also being able to work with the compensation fund, we have done that over the last 20 years. In terms of issues around marginalizing the smaller administration organizations. Currently, there's a whole range from very big um, third parties or administrators to very small ones. And all of them follow the same rules that the compensation fund defines in terms of switching claims. So there's no point, there's no area where it says they cannot switch or they shouldn't switch or the, the compensation fund would concentrate on the larger ones. In addition to um, transparency, as I said, when the compensation fund is audited by the Auditor General, they request all supporting information of claims across all areas from us. We provide that information. We are transparent. We do not, for, when we are vetting and, and uh, vetting claims, we ensure the rules and the regulation of the COIDA Act, including the tariffs, are followed to the T. The reason why we do that is because we pre-fund, in other words, we pay the doctors in advance. For us to be able to get that money back from the compensation fund, we need to make sure that claim has followed all the rules defined by the COIDA Act. In addition to that, why we ensure that we are able to get that money back from the fund following the rules is because we are funded by a bank. And if we cannot get that money back from the compensation fund, we will not be able to pay the banks back, back the loan. So we have to be as transparent and as clear as we can be. Um, How do you envisage this working? As um, Gideon said, um, 
One, we believe if the compensation fund works hand in hand with all the stakeholders, employers, and medical service providers and third parties. Um, the terms and uh, terms of engagement could be defined, but at the same time, this is something that we see the compensation fund should lead because they are the ones who have well perceived issues with it, with third parties. Bearing in mind, we've worked for the last 20 years with the compensation fund. At no time has the compensation fund taken us to court saying we have uh, we have maybe fraudulent claims or whatever. There's no one point that the compensation fund can claim that they've taken any of us as third parties, as MSPs, and more so third parties, pre-funding third parties to court. Unless they can show that evidence, um, I, we, we don't have any. Um, I, if I haven't answered any of the questions, I can clarify further if somebody wants more clarity. Yeah, thank you, Leah. Uh, Chair, I think for those initial questions, uh, those are our responses. We had, uh, we had Honorable Nonsele. I see your hand, Honorable Dana, again. I don't know whether it's an old or a new hand, but can I try to locate Honorable Nonsele? Honorable Nonsele, are you back? I'm told you have joined. Thank you, Chair. I'm back. Thank you. Over okay. to you, sir. Thank you, Chair. Chair, it's just a, 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 a further question that I thought maybe it can be help. It can help us to get a sense of what uh, Mr. Ngadime speaks about and his team with regard to the potential to job losses uh, if the sector is impacted negatively by the provisions that uh, they are objecting to. That is as contemplated in terms of section, section 43 of the proposed bill. Uh, I wanted him to, to, to just to, to just, if he can, to just to say what potential numbers are with regard to the current employment uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the business and the, the related uh, undertakings that he was talking to upstream and downstream. So if you can just give us that, 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 that picture as well. The, the second point is with regard to the uh, relationship that they are talking to, which is more than 20 years. And uh, quite certainly they can't be uh, ignorant of the challenges that the compensation fund has gone through. The question would be, to what extent have they familiarized themselves with that uh, obviously, the proposal that, that is of regulating the third parties, in my view, stems from the fact that they, in fact, themselves are quite familiar with challenges that uh, uh, have been experienced uh, uh, by the fund over the same period. And if there is no relationship, I, I'm not going to insist on that. But if they can just share with us uh, they are all from their own perspective with regard to the challenges that the fund has been going through. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Dana. Honorable Mkond, can I, can I get uh, Honorable Mkond, or do you, do you want to come back? Uh, yes, Chair, if you allow me. Honorable Dana, Honorable Mkond. 
Thank you, Chair. Um, just a quick follow-up question. Um, I'd just like to inquire from Mr. Nkariming um, if they were consulted as Coidlink and as a prominent third-party administrator in the industry as part of the Department's socioeconomic impact assessment. Um, and then Chair, could I also request that we receive this report and if there are any updated versions, because um, I think the assessment was done in 2015, if we could um, please receive those as well. Thank you, Chair. Um, which report, receive the reports from where? From whom, if I may ask, Honorable Tena? If possible, from the department, Chair. And Honorable Sak uh, Mr. Sakazo will also read after Honorable Mkondo. You'll also read what, what is in the chat box. Honorable Mkondo. Uh, Chair, uh, one um, very important question. Um, uh, 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 I th that I think um, have an effect in what they have presented is that in the presentation, they said they are being audited by the compensation fund. Um, can they give us a glimpse of what has been their audit uh, outcomes, maybe in the last three financial years? Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mkondo. Mr. Sakaza, can you read the chat? Yes, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the question is, is a follow-up question from Honorable Mbabe. It says that follow-up question, does your company agree with the previous presenter that the fund is 100% dysfunctional? Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much. From, from my side, I, I, it's, it's that two... two, two utterances, if I may say, that uh, that makes me to, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> sorry, make me to be interested in, is it, don't you think that it's quite, should I say, alarming or shocking to say that healthcare providers may turn away People that are people that are coming to their to their to them who are injured on duty is that not is that not touching into their health ethic health and professional ethical conduct? Secondly, the the the, the, the lady said you you prepay now. Can I be clarified in prepaying? because you want to do whatever. Don't you, have you ever come across a situation that you, you over prepay? I'm asking this because you said, you, because you have then, you must then be able to pay back the bank. But in prepaying, maybe the thing that if, if, if you calculate, are you calculating to the T so that you don't have a payment that may have been overpaid because of, 
of your pre your calculation your calculation for p for pre payment uh, i will i will hand over to you to 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 respond thank you madam kondo may you lower your hand so that i don't i don't thank you over to you thank thank you chairperson um i think we have noted the question and i hope my colleagues will uh, also have done so just to make sure that we cover all the points raised. Um, starting with the follow-up question from, um, sorry, let me start with the initial question from uh, Honorable Nonsele. The, um, I mean, from, from our perspective, we can quantify the potential job losses uh, in the administrative sector base. Um, <clears throat> what we are contending is that if this section 43, uh, if this section 43 is taken as is, then um, uh, service providers like ourselves, you know, may be forced to close our doors. Um, so there would be immediate uh, job losses at CoinLink itself and, and uh, similar administrators. Uh, but we also pointed out that uh, there are. Um, companies that provide services to us who will be uh, immediately affected by us uh, closing our doors. And um, whilst we don't have numbers, because they obviously service multiple clients, um, it, uh, I think it stands to reason that, you know, uh, employment will be affected in, in, in those companies as well. Um, with regards to the challenges at the compensation fund, as we mentioned, you know we've we've been in operations for over twenty years. Uh, we can catalog uh, the challenges over the years uh, from the compensation fund. So we are very familiar with 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 those challenges. But specifically, we do not think that this section, this proposed section, um, goes in any way towards addressing those challenges. We, we accept that we are a stakeholder of the compensation fund uh, and we work according to their prescript. Um, and so we are actually the intermediary that explains to medical services providers what those challenges are. And our role is to, is to navigate those challenges on behalf of um, these uh, medical services providers. Um, and, and I think my colleague, um, uh, the CEO, can, can articulate further examples of, of what those challenges are and how we've dealt with them. I think, you know, from, from our perspective, what we're trying to clearly bring across to this committee is that this um, proposed new section 73.4 is not about addressing those uh, those administrative challenges or payment challenges that we that we routinely experience. Um, with regards to the follow-up question from Honourable Dana, um, I think it's a little bit before my time, but from from what I know, and, and the CEO can clarify. Uh, we haven't been consulted, uh, and, and the, the, the study that you referred to 
Um, I'm, I'm not certain that there was specific uh, consultation with the company. It was a little bit before my time. But certainly in regards to this amendment, um, uh, we have sought uh, several times to engage uh, with the commissioner, with the director general of the department. And, and to date, we have not received clear reasons as to what those concerns are that will be mitigated by the, by this, uh, by the introduction of this new section. Then um, to Honorable Mdabe's question around uh, whether we agree with the previous speaker uh, around the dysfunctionality of, of the compensation fund, the, the approach that we've taken is that we are a partner to the compensation fund. We, we, we endeavor to play a value-adding role in that value chain. Um, and so we see things as challenges rather than dysfunction. And you know, we, we put ourselves forward as being part of the solution to, to, to those challenges. Um, I think the previous speaker uh, mentioned an example of the in the insurance uh, space where I operate and the role of brokers, um, uh, insurers treat brokers as a channel through which uh, they can reach their customers and through which they can service their customers. And we certainly position ourselves as a channel through which uh, the compensation fund can reach its ultimate beneficiaries and, and its, its immediate um, stakeholders being the uh, medical services providers who treat those workers who are injured on the uh, So the characterization of this functionality, we think it's is throwing your hands in the air. We'd rather engage uh, as we have done uh, historically on trying to address challenges uh, to the benefit of, of work. And so Chairperson, coming back to your questions around um, the impact on the uh, health sector or the, or the medical services providers themselves, uh, clearly in, in terms of their Hippocratic oath, they may not turn away uh, somebody who uh, is, is, is critical um, and, and it is their oath to, um, to make sure that they uh, attend to their patients. But nevertheless, um, you know, they may choose who they, who they service or who they prioritize. Um, I think it, if it's an emergency situation, a doctor is only obliged to uh, stabilize you, at which point then they can transfer you to public facilities. Uh, we've certainly seen it in the medical aid industry where doctors not trusting uh, certain medical aid organizations that they will settle their claims, insist that patients should pay upfront. Um, and we know the challenges of our people in terms of their cash flow to insist that they must pay upfront, upfront for injuries suffered on duty is really doing them a disservice. Uh, and, and that is something that um, we believe should be avoided. So our, our, our views, Aren't, aren't necessarily alarmist from, from that perspective. It's something that we know from um, the impact of other segments of the, uh, 
medical uh, or the healthcare sector where um, to avoid the risk that uh, you will you may not be paid or you may not be paid on time, uh, medical services providers would insist on upfront payment from their patients. Um, so, and, and maybe I think more importantly, and I'll ask the CEO to explain this in detail if you allow, the process of pre-funding or pre-payment as, as, as she referred to, really only comes through once we have properly assessed the, the uh, claim from, from the medical service providers and ensured that it complies with um, the tariffs as, as gazetted by the fund and that it complies with the benefits as stipulated in, in the COIDA Act itself. So the risk that we would overpay um, a, a medical service provider does not arise. Uh, in fact, part of this administration and processing activity would give the feedback to the medical services provider that you know such and such a treat treatment is not allowable under under the benefits and or such and such a tariff is not allowable uh, and under the, the the tariffs set by the compensation plan. The the risk that we take is not that the uh, medical service provider has given us uh, has has created an an inflated claim because we ensure that uh, a claim complies uh, with the stipulation of the fund. The risk to us is that the compensation fund itself, having adjudicated that claim, does not pay in time or does not pay at all. Um, and if, in which instance, having uh, the legal right to act uh, on, on that claim, we would then resort for uh, further engagement, including um, seeking court relief where, uh, where we do not see um, a progress being made. So I think, I think those, I'm hoping that we've addressed the questions, but I may ask, with your permission, Chairperson, if if we want to go into detailed examples around the challenges of the fund uh, in 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 uh, in our experience, um, and then to answer the last question, I will direct it to the CEO uh, in terms of explaining what we meant by that uh, the the statement that the compensation fund regularly audits uh, CoinLink and to give you a sense of the kind of information and how we've responded to that information over the last three years. Um, Leah? Thank you. Um, yeah, if, if you will allow me, there's a question that was asked about potential job losses. At CoinLink, we employ over 67 people, staff members. These are a combination of women and very young women. I'm going to talk about the numbers, if that's all right with everybody else. We have 45 Africans, both male and female. We have two Indians. We have um, um, 16 whites. In total, we have 65 people who would be affected if that, that the act was um, amended. In addition to that, downstream, we have companies that we pay per year in terms of suppliers. 
5.6 million rand per year. So those companies would definitely be affected in terms of their revenue and income. And obviously, if a company is affected in revenue, it means they have to let people go. They need to pay salaries. And these companies are across board. We've got information services in terms of communication. We've got HR providers. We've got trainers. We've got couriers. We've got financial services. We've got cleaners. We've got legal professional organizations. We've got maintenance companies. And we've got travel and tourism that would be affected because we directly deal with these people. And as as I've just mentioned, we pay them 5.6 million rand. That's one. I hope it's all right here if I clarify that. In terms of Okay, now I'm going to talk about um, the audit. What I mean is when the compensation fund, the auditor general is auditing the compensation fund. They do a quality assurance. And what, means, what this means is if they, they take a sample of a claim and this claim was uh, switched by CoidLink, they will then ask us to provide uh, documents that that claim was a valid claim, so it was an accepted claim. That claim was treated by a certain doctor with a practice number that's registered. That claim is a valid patient in terms of an employer who's been injured on duty. That claim is an injured on duty claim. So um, we are human beings. Sometimes we get injured on the left-hand side, but we want to claim for the right-hand side. Those are some of the things the compensation fund checks. The compensation fund also will check whether the tariffs that were applied are correct tariffs according to the act. And that's what I meant audited. Then they provide those to the auditors because the auditors are doing a sample check of valid claims. Um, We do not add any cost to that claim. As I said, the rules and tariffs are set by the compensation fund. I hope that gives clarity in terms of when I say we are audited. This is a regular occurrence. It's not um, something every year when the auditors general goes to the compensation fund, we will immediately know we will get called by the compensation fund executives to provide information and we are quite willing to provide that information. In in terms of the social um, assessment impact uh, document, we were never involved at all. Uh, As the chairman said, we have requested, but we haven't been able to get hold of it. Requested In terms of challenges, the chairman said over the last 10 years, actually 12 that I've been running the CoinLink, the compensation fund has changed its system three times. The first time round, we were funded by the IDC and by the time the compensation started paying money from that system, we had exhausted every cent that we had. In fact, it was on a Friday, I will never forget. And the next week when we were meant to be our clients, we had no money. We were going to close the organization. Second time around, the system was changed. Same scenario. The third time during Mr. Mafata's session when uh, ComEasy was introduced, we had a loan of 45 million from NetBank. And I'm saying this because it affects me directly. As the CEO, I have to pay salaries and I have to pay my clients. We had an overdraft of 55 million from the from NetBank. We had our own reserves of 
A total of that is 150 million. We had nothing in our bank accounts because we had pre-funded that money and we could not get it from the ComEasy system. Nothing was coming through from that system. Last year, and that was up until that last year, March 2020. 150 million gone. The compensation fund owed us 300. Let me just give you the number of the compensation fund so that I'm very clear. Sorry, the compensation fund in total owed us 249 million rand. And nothing was coming out of the system. Now, are we saying the compensation fund is dysfunctional? No. We are saying the compensation fund has challenges. We communicate regularly to, with the compensation fund, informing them on a quarterly basis across each province what the challenges are. We sometimes get response. So we are not saying they do not always not respond. Sometimes they do. We get positive response. Sometimes we get negative response. As the chairman says, we try to work with the compensation fund. We cannot just throw our hands up and say it's not working. We are running a business and we have to find a way of making it work. In that regard, I'm going to ask um, our chief operating officer, Devil, who regularly communicates around the current system, the ComEasy system, to detail some of the challenges that we have. Devil. Uh, thank you, Laya. Good morning, chair and committee. Detailing, sorry. In detailing the, the challenges, you must be mindful of the time. Ne? Yes. Correct. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm just going to shortly, I'm not going to go into detail. I just want to highlight some of the existing challenges that we face. So currently, um, there are backlogs within the compensation fund. In the implementation of the new system, there are still backlogs in one provisioning employers to be able to access the systems. There are backlogs there. As a result, claims are, paper claims are submitted to provincial labor centers. There are backlogs in getting those claims on the system, significant backlogs. So on the one area, there's processing backlogs. In the other, on the other side of the spectrum, um, a new system was implemented with claims migrated from a prior system. Various challenges still persist in the migration of those claims. Some of those claims are just pended in the system. Hence, people think they are lost somewhere in the system. These challenges still need to be addressed. Various significant migration challenges. Lastly, in terms of processing, we do see um, operational challenges. If you submit a new claim, um, there are configuration challenges that the IT department or service provider, IT service provider for fund still has to resolve in terms of configuration of the new processing system, development of the new processing system. We are seeing short payments, significant short payments due to uh, configuration backlogs in the system and development backlogs. We are seeing rejections of valid claims due to configuration backlogs. And um, I think those are a summary of some of the existing challenges. Um, people like Quedlink exist to, to buffer our medical service provider clients from um, all these challenges that persist with the fund. And we work with the fund to overcome these challenges. 
Thank you. Thank you, um, Leanne Diewald. Chair, I hope we have covered uh, the questions raised and, and the points that arose from that. Now, the last, the last clarity from my side, Mr. Nkanti Meng, is that you, you alluded to the fact that you have been trying to communicate with the, should I say, with the ministry and the department through the DG, and nothing was forthcoming. Is it, is it, is it before the process, if I'm saying before the process of the amendment of the bill is that, remember that the department circulates invitations for interested parties to come to, 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 to input or comment, submit. Individuals, companies, public is invited to submit any comments that is being done by the department first, okay? And after that whole process, when even when cabinet has, 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 has satisfied itself following all the processes that must be followed, it is the end sent to the office of the speaker. That's why we're here now. But my question is to you, I just want to understand, is it prior that time or is it now or is it when? I just, I just want to get clarity on that so that I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't become, I don't assume and, and, and misunderstand you. Thank you, Chairperson. Yeah, so I think what I meant was, I mean, we have been aware of these muted changes, particularly this new section, uh, 73.4. Uh, certainly since I joined as the chairman of the board of Coidlink uh, some three, three years ago, um, and it is number one on our risk register in all, in all our board meetings, uh, and certainly the executives can provide this committee with letters that have been written both to the uh, commissioner of the compensation fund, as well as to the uh, director general of uh, employment and labor. So chairperson, we have attempted uh, as part of that process prior to this uh, very specific consultation process by the committee, to engage as we do in the ordinary course with the compensation fund. And to date, we have not learned a very specific reason of the inclusion of this new section. Uh, and we have also followed up this committee's uh, proceedings um, as, as we indicated earlier, um, but that's, that's been the, the, the extent of uh, engagements or attempted engagements uh, with the various parties. To, to get to get to get clarity on that. And uh, can I then uh, uh, it's fine. You will you will then be you can you are invited to join if you want to be with us and uh, we will then uh, if you want to, to, to be with us until the, the end of today's session, it's okay. If you want to leave, uh, that, that is fine. No, thank you. Thank you very much.
Mr. Sakaza, yeah, yeah. thank you very much to also your, your colleagues. Mr. Sakaza, can we then get the next uh, 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 submission? Thank you, Chair. Um, the next uh, group to um, present is Minerals Council of South Africa. And I think Ms. Nikili Sufi is here with uh, the team. Minerals Council South Africa. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, Honorable Members of Parliament, uh, Senior um, Management Team from the, D, uh, the Department of Employment and Labor and the, from the Compensation Commissioner's Office. Uh, I am accompanied by Dr. Tutula Balfo, our Head of Health, and uh, Dr. Kanyile Baloi, our Deputy Head of Health, and Mr. Aubrey Ramawa, our parliamentary liaison officer. Uh, I'm going to request that uh, Dr. Tutula Balfo be given the sharing rights because he's going to be making a, a, a short presentation just to highlight our key issues that we want to raise with the committee. But uh, just to give context of where we come from, uh, we are representing mostly the minerals industry. And most of our members actually are concerned about the efficiency of our own systems, not necessarily the COIDA systems. That is the Occupational uh, Diseases in Mines and Works Act as administered by the Department of Health. And therefore, we come from a perspective that where we believe that uh, the COIDA system is far much superior than the system that we are accustomed to, that our members use. And the, and, and, and the recommendations that we are making are merely designed to enhance and improve what is already what we already regarded as a very good system. So I will ask Dr. Tutula Balfo just to outline our key concerns, and then we can take questions after that. Thank you. Over to you, Doc. Sorry, Chair. Sorry, Chair. Can I just before? Okay. I didn't see the name of, of Balfour, then I see now, so that I can make him co-host chair. Sorry, I've got now. Thank you, chair. So, um, I, okay. Will she be able to? Yes, chair, I've just made a host now. You can, you can fly. It. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and a very good morning to the Portfolio Committee, uh, Honorable Members, and uh, all attendees. Um, I will present on a, a number of issues, um, and I'm saying that simply because the last uh, speakers uh, they concentrated on one sec section of the, um, the bill, whereas we have a number of sections. We would, however, like to indicate the fact that um, I'm trying to move now to the next slide. Okay. I hope this is still visible, Chair. 
Um, we would uh, like, of, of, first of all, to appreciate the opportunity. Uh, we have made a written submission, which we hope is with the committee. We will not go through all that which is in the submission. We will highlight some of the key things that uh, we would like the committee to uh, consider. Um, we also, I would like to upfront indicate that uh, the most of the mining industry when it comes to injuries is covered through COIDA, but mainly by the RAND Mutual uh, Assurance, which is one of the mutuals together with FEM, the Federated Employers Mutual. Um, therefore, we, uh, in terms of injuries, we are not as impacted by the goings on within, in terms of the, just the functionality and uh, the efficiencies, because we, 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 our claims are administered by the RAND Mutual Assurance. We, however, as Mr. Sufi has said, also have mine workers' lungs covered by Odimwa, which is under the DOH, and I will not repeat what, what he has said around that. I will not talk much about the aims of the bill. I will try and move directly to the key submissions. Um, I will start with the submission regarding uh, the definitions of uh, accident and occupational diseases. Um, this is um, under section A1. And on the main here, we would like that the word disease uh, is adjusted to be occupational disease, because if we leave it at disease, then any disease, you know, flu, anything, we can be considered as disease. So that is a very simple proposal we make there. That's the first one. The second one is a, a fairly major one that Mr. Lisufi has alluded to. And this is looking at the definition of employee where currently this is not, we are proposing an addition to the uh, current definition of employee. And this is to accommodate novice workers from the mining industry. Um, Mr. Lisufi will talk more about this if there are further questions. But in summary, we are proposing that the provision of benefits for compensatable diseases uh, under ODIMWA, which is administered by the DOH, to employees who work for the very, very first time, have never worked in a mine or a works, the, and that with compensation for occupational diseases, uh, which is provided by COIDA. So in a way we are saying we'd like that these uh, novice workers in works and mines who are currently compensated by ODIMWA are compensated under COIDA. And therefore we propose that the definition of employee in COIDA is amplified with that addition, which is that an employee who works for the first time at an ODIMWA mine or works on or after the commencement of this amendment and who suffers from an occupational disease, you know, then it means they will be accommodated. And with that, it would require amplification of the definition of employee. And we have proposed uh, two expressions, 
that would need to be defined, which is the two, uh, the uh, Odimwa, what it means, and also Odimwa mines or works, uh, what it means in terms of it's a controlled uh, mines or works. As I have said, there's much more beyond this, which I think can be discussed during the um, question session. The next uh, section we would like to raise is section eight, uh, which talks to rehabilitation and life enhancement assistance. And here we are simply saying that um, we, we propose that the words life enhancement assistance be defined as a, it would, uh, such definition should also contain the safeguard that such assistance must be approved by the commissioner. And uh, again, the words in that uh, uh, section, which say disease is substituted by occupational diseases because this act is covering employees for occupational diseases. Um, the next one, is um, section 12. Section 12 is uh, regarding the conveyance of an employee. And at present, you know, COIDA has got provision uh, for the, uh, it currently it says, for the purposes of this act, the conveyance of an employee free of charge to or from his place of employment for the purposes of employment by means of a vehicle driven by the employer himself or one of his employees and specifically provided by his employer for the purpose of su such conveyance shall be deemed to take place in the course of such employee's employment. And so now this is being uh, adjusted to say that um, uh, it is, I will shorten by means of any mode of transportation in furtherance of the business of the employer and here we are saying that uh, there, perhaps there will be a lack of clarity as to what constitutes in furtherance of the business of the employer. And therefore we uh, propose words which are arranged by the employer. As we go on chair, you will know that some of these really are fairly um, simple, uh, let me not say simple, but uh, not so complex proposals that I think the commissioner would uh, be able to um, consider and decide if they can accept. The next uh, proposal is on section six, 16, which is regarding mutuals. As I had said, we under, you know, the mining sector, the majority of workers are under the mutual, uh, which is RAND mutual association. And here there has been a slight um, adjustment. The, the, the proposed amendment, which is here under section 31, it has deleted part of the existing um, legislation. The part that was in the, that was deleted was stating that, um, you know, the minister uh, may issue a, a license to carry out business and um, it continued to say to a mutual association which was licensed on the date of commencement of the act in terms of section 95 
of the Workmen's Compensation Act. I think this was recognizing the fact that quite a number of the mutuals, the RAN mutual, for instance, was established in 18 something, and uh, the Workmen's Compensation Act came much later. And so these mutuals were accommodated and uh, were specifically included in the wording of this part of the legislation. And so we uh, believe that that should be kept. Um, uh, the amendment bill does not provide for the continuation of the validity of a license issued to the mutual in terms of the Workmen's Compensation Act. And if you read this with section 30, the minister may determine whether a license may be issued to such an ent entity and provision must then be made for the continuation of the rights and obligations of mutual associations that have existing licenses. These mutuals have existing licenses and there has been a man manner in which the minister renews the licenses. And so we do have a functioning system in place that um, we have been utilizing. Uh, the concern here is that this might start providing a, very, a huge uncertainty on the part of the mutuals that they are no longer protect their licenses are no longer protected. And therefore we believe that we probably do not need to uh, amend that part of the legislation and delete the section that is now that has now been uh, deleted. The next uh, section is regarding uh, section 39, which is notice of accident by employer to the commissioner. It's regarding penalties here, Chair, and I think generally there are other penalties that have been uh, put up, which uh, we, I'm, I'm, we are not gonna pick up all of them, but this one, we just make, want to make an example where the, the, what is provided by this section is that the employer must within seven days after having received notice of an accident or having learned in some other way that an employee has met with an accident, report the accident to the commissioner. And what it, we had was that, um, you know, it is now proposed that the section, if you do not comply with this, that you report within seven days, the proposal is that an employer, excluding an employer referred to in that section who fails to comply with this section shall be liable to a penalty of 10% of the actual or estimated annual earnings of that particular year. So uh, by not reporting within seven days, then you get this penalty of 10% of your annual earnings. And we propose that the penalty uh, of 10% should be limited to the earnings of the employee involved in the accident and that the penalty be the maximum which may be imposed. In other words, we, uh, that the provision should be as follows. We do provide you know, a, 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 an example of how this can be adjusted where it reads a maximum of 10% of the actual or estimated earnings of the particular year for that employee. If, because we believe that the current provision, the amendment which is proposed here is very draconian. Uh, this is, you know, 10% of the business, really the earnings of the business. And um, 
we believe that uh, this is extreme in terms of uh, 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 what is proposed. And it also does not give the commissioner any discretion to impose a lesser penalty. So even if the commissioner was to listen and uh, hear the valid, a valid reason for the delay in seven days, then the commissioner, if this is kept as it is, he would have no uh, recourse but to only you know, guillotine 10% of your earnings and uh, there is no discretion. We believe that the commissioner should have that discretion of, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, in terms of the, 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 the penalties that are levied on companies. And I would say this goes to many other penalties which we have outlined in our submission chain. The next uh, section is section 20A to C, which is regarding inquiry by commissioner into an accident. And um, again, it is provided in the proposed amendment to empower the commissioner to inquire into um, an accident for purposes of determining liability. And the proposed amendment is that an employer who fails to comply with the provisions of this section shall be liable to a penalty of 10% plus interest on actual earnings declared by the compensation commissioner. And again, we believe this is very uh, unfair, unreasonable, and there should be discretion given to the commissioner to determine the, the penalty. And as it is worded, it is not clear whether the calculation of the penalty refers to the actual earnings of all employees or of the employer or only the earnings of the particular employee or employees involved in the accident inquiry. And uh, the proposed provision therefore needs further clarification. So it's more again in line with the, our approach to penalties which are in this um, uh, act and what way we want those penalties to be, which we believe should have a discretion being given to the commissioner. The next one is section 33, which talks to increased compensation due to negligence of the employer. And uh, this is more of a uh, correction in how the legislation was read, where this legislation is proposing this um, D, which says, which often an engineer appointed to be in general charge of the machinery in terms of any regulation made under the Minerals and Petroleum Resources Development Act. We just want to point out here that there is actually no existing provision uh, for such wording in the MPRDA. And therefore maybe in other words, the existing provision must remain unamended uh, as it, it, there are no engineers that have been appointed under the MPRDA. So it's simply saying there was a misreading of what is in the M MPRDA and this provision is not there. So let us leave it as it is, Check. Section 43, this is also big chair. And uh, I don't think I should, uh, you've heard all of the reasons from many, the two other um, uh, stakeholders who presented today. And maybe one can just simply say that this provision 
um, is at the moment still quite essential for the functioning of or the receiving of benefits by employees. Because if we were to to take away the seeding of the uh, uh, claims, what would happen is that the service providers, especially doctors, uh, the first point of call, the first, the first people, you know, who serve the employee when the employee is injured, those people would not be keen to provide the service simply because currently, I know I also serve on the compensation board. I did not declare that. I thought I would. Um, there are moves to try and improve, but we are not yet at a state where, you know, the system is running efficiently. And therefore, if we were to take away this uh, right for people to sit, we would end up with a lot of uh, um, service providers not wanting to service workers and workers would need to then go to the public health facilities, which currently would not be able to, you know, uh, cope with what they have. And then additionally, people who are from the uh, compensation fund uh, due to us having, uh, you know, taken away this provision. So we uh, do not support the deletion of this uh, provision. And we also do believe that it might also not be constitutional to do so. And I won't go beyond that, Chair. This has been ventilated a lot this morning. On section 47, uh, this is a medical aid provided by employers. Uh, this uh, section provides that if an employer makes arrangements to provide his employees which, which are injured in accidents with medical aid, which in the opinion of the DG is not less favorable to the employees than that provided by COIDA, then the DG may subject, may subject to such conditions as he may determine approve such an arrangements. In practice, uh, there are difficulties that may occur where service, uh, medical services are provided via a medical aid fund. And uh, we recommend that in such a case, reimbursement should be at the election of the employer, uh, at the election of the employer be made by the commissioner directly to such fund. So we propose a new paragraph be added, which states that the commissioner may at the election of the employer reimburse a medical aid fund through uh, which medical aid was provided to employees such costs out of the compensation fund as the commissioner may deem equitable. Um, The next is the section 59, which is the powers to uh, question and inspect. And in terms of this new section, it's envisaged to have an inspector with wide powers of uh, questioning and inspection. The section does not take into account that a person questioned should have the right not to incriminate himself or herself, nor that the answer given may be used in criminal proceedings. And we recommend that the person questioned must have the right against self uh, incrimination. And therefore, a provision similar to the one in the basic conditions of employment should be inserted 
which provides that no answer by any person to a question by an inspector conducting an investigation, questioning or inspection in terms of his act may be used against that person in criminal proceedings, except in proceedings in respect of a charge of perjury or making a false statement. Um, in conclusion, Chair, the revisions, uh, amendments made in the bill, which I didn't talk about because the key part of the revisions to this bill are regarding uh, rehabilitation and um, you know, um, reintegration of workers. That is very progressive and we support it fully as it will improve the health and safety of workers in the um, uh, working environment. We also support the overall spirit of the, and intent of the legislation. And uh, the areas that we have raised, Chair, are more for trying to improve on the legislation, uh, the amendments that are proposed. Thank you, Chair. No, thank you very much. Uh, if, if, if there are any, I, I will assume that the rest of your of your of the of the your colleagues will uh, will assist in in responding to questions. Can can we then? Can I then get hands? Yes, Chapasudi, Inana. Okay, I can see. Can this be removed on the screen so that I'm able to see some of the hands? Yeah, can, can I ask um, uh, uh, assistance chair? I'm not sure how to unshare. I think the administrator, if he can assist, can just take it or take Mr. it Sakaza, can you assist? Oh, yes, stop share. Thank okay. you. We have got two hands, Honorable Yinana, Honorable Mkondo, uh, for now, those two hands, Honorable Inanna and Honorable Mkonto. Thank you. Chair, thank you very much. And thank you to the, to the, to the presenter as well. I just want to get Chairperson a clarity on, on Section 39 about the reporting of the incident uh, of the employer being injured at the workplace within the period of seven days. Ma'am, my, my clarity question is that what about the people that have never been reported but have been injured some permanently because of the amputated legs, arm or fingers, and others are permanently on the wheelchairs, but that has never been reported? But how, how does those people being accommodated? And secondly, Chairperson is about about the medical expenses of such people who is incurring the, the expenses because some, the majority of them have injured at work, but because of incapacity, because of their injuries, are permanently laid off. That's, that means go and stay at home. Who is going to incur the bills, the medical bills for that person in order for this rehabilitation and integration that we are talking about becomes effective? Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Honorable Yenana, Honorable Mkondo. Uh, 
אין צ'ריטיצ'ווילביאון We all know that we, our, our country is, is governed by what we call constitutional democracy. So according to uh, the presenter, uh, Umis Balfour, is that uh, they issued uh, licenses, their validity period. Um, if... It is not renewed as suggested by the bill. Do they think that, don't they think that will encourage entitlement and maybe a disregard of law? And even uh, some people monopolizing the sector and not about this sector alone, But uh, if people are given lifetime in terms of um, a licensing, they end up monopolizing uh, that particular sector. So according to them, what can be done to ensure that there isn't uh, such negative effects uh, whilst implementing this bill? Thanks, Chair. Kondo. In the absence of other hands, can we then uh, uh, go back to Ms. Balfour for responses? Honorable Cardo's head is up. Oh, sorry. No, it's only coming up now. Honorable Cardo. Uh, thank you, Chair. I had a question around the proposed amendments to Section 48. Uh, Four, insofar as an employer who fails to comply with provisions of Section 40 will be liable to a penalty of 10% plus interest on earnings declared to the compensation fund. And the presenters indicated that this was an unreasonable and unfair uh, provision uh, with which I agree. I think it's draconian. Uh, the presenters suggest that a discretion should be given to the commissioner to determine the penalty. My point of clarity is, is there not a danger in giving a wide-ranging discretion to determine the penalty? Maybe it would be better to provide for a discretion to waive the penalty. But my point of clarification really is what would be a better, more effective, less draconian penalty regime insofar as the Minerals Council is concerned. Thank you, Chair. I think we have lost you, Chair.
Chair, we have lost you. I'm here. Sorry for that. That those were the last hand. Can can we then uh, request the presenters to respond? Dr. Balfour, over to you. We have lost Dr. Balfour. Mr. Lusufi, can you? We have lost uh, 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 Dr. Balfour also. We can respond. Our apologies, Chair. Okay. I I get lost sometimes on the screen here. Um, I will start with the uh, Honorable Hinana's uh, 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 questions regarding Section 39, reporting of an in, uh, incident or accident. Uh, what we raise there is, is not, let me start by what we are raising and then answer the questions. We are raising more the penalty issues there around reporting, but what uh, Honorable Hinana is asking is what about people who were never reported and what happens to the medical expenses of these people? And Honorable Hinana is talking about real life situations where some employers have not registered with COIDA. And thus when an employee then has an injury, that employee cannot claim because of what the employer did by not registering and paying for the, 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 the employee. I'm not an expert, however, in this chair because uh, I, I suspect that within COIDA, there are ways in which this is attended to where the employer had failed to uh, register an employee. And in fact, this is some of, uh, you know, there are penalties where an employer has not submitted uh, uh, registered employees for COIDA. Um, this works very well where the, whether it's the mutual or it is the COIDA commission ensures that there are inspections of employers to make sure that all workers who are in a workplace have been registered. But as uh, Honorable Hinana was saying, this does happen sometimes that People were not registered and therefore now find problems when they have to claim. But uh, I think there are ways in which the COIDA legislation caters for this. And, and as I said, I'm not an, an, an expert in, in that area, but it is a very valid point to raise. Um, regarding Honorable Mkonto and the disregard for the inclusion of domestic workers. I actually was on the cusp of also mentioning that, but you know, I decided maybe let me try to keep to my lane when I was saying the legislation as a whole really is very progressive. Uh, it's probably, I mean, COIDA in South Africa is one of the most progressive pieces of legislation mm -hmm. if we compare ourselves to other developed um, developing countries and even some of the developed countries. So I mainly concentrated on the part which uh, our industry is involved in, which is the 
rehabilitation and the um, uh, 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 you know return to work of employees but definitely that too the domestic workers the uh, uh, recognition of the domestic workers is a very big stride for south africa for a sector of employees who are, are marginalized and have been you know excluded in the in the past the question uh, that was asked by honorable kumkonto is regarding uh, you know, the validity period of the licenses and will not lead to a disregard for the law and a monopoly and what can be done to prevent this. Um, our approach is that, you know, these licenses have been there for some time. The minister uh, periodically renews the licenses of these mutuals. So we do have a system where the mutuals need to provide certain information to the department for the department to decide uh, if the license is renewed or not. Suffice to say, of course, that most people who are licensed, they will do everything in their power Sorry, to make- You are requested to show your face. Oh, okay. I okay. hope, as I said, you know, I'm, I can't see now how I'm, uh, if I'm at a, a positioned properly or not, Ah. Okay, thank you, Chair. Uh, as I was saying, um, the minister does, uh, you know, um, sort of, it's not automatic renewals. You need to uh, provide evidence uh, of what you have done. And uh, as I was saying, if you have a license that can be taken away, you usually do make sure that you do your best, you know, to ensure that you provide a good service and uh, that the minister does has no reason to then say, actually, you haven't performed well. And on that basis, let's uh, revoke your license. Um, we do, for instance, most mine workers, there are no challenges when it comes to uh, claims for injuries because most are covered by RMA, which has an efficient system in place and uh, you get paid within 30 days. They try to ensure that within 30 days, whether you are the service provider or the employee, you, your matter has been attended to. This, however, I think the quick question that Honorable Mkonto was asking is, will this not lead to monopoly? And I believe that maybe the department wants, wanted to ensure that it is also able to bring on board other players. But we are saying, we don't have to delete the wording which, which was there around the licenses that were, you know, um, recognized before, but certainly we can uh, continue to add other players in the field because uh, the competition always produces the best results. And so uh, we believe that the language can be crafted such that it allows for the current recognition of the licenses that were there and have been uh, periodically been reviewed and renewed by the minister, but that there is also language for other players to enter the, this space. On other uh, honorable cardos, um, section 44 regarding the penalty, um, the question is, well, he was asking, is there not a danger in if there is so much discretion which is with the commissioner 
and what do we believe is a less draconian way of uh, addressing this. Um, the, in fact, he also touched on the whole, the penalties, what penalties regime do we think should uh, be in place? Our key, um, even during the discussions, you know, at NEDLEC, uh, the key thing that business had been raising was that we are moving into a regime which has got very blanket um, penalties. So for, um, you know, there are many uh, uh, contraventions are different. Some are minor, others are, uh, are more serious than others, but you tend to find that a lot of the time, you know, there was this 10% of the earnings, uh, you know, uh, which was used to, um, uh, 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 you know, to, to be levied for any dis indiscretion on the part of the, the employers. So when it comes to this particular one that Honorable Cardo was uh, asking about, which I think is the section 40, uh, we had a proposal there that maybe um, it is proposed, for instance, uh, the amendment, an employer who fails to comply with the provisions is liable to a penalty of 10% plus interest on actual earnings declared to the compensation fund. If you will remember the previous one where you failed to report within seven days, it was also talking about a penalty of 10% of your earnings as a company. Here it says the earnings declared to the fund. Now, uh, we believe that the penalty maybe should be to the, it should be the penalty which refers to the actual earnings of the employees or the employee or only the employee, the earnings of the particular employee who is in that accident. Uh, so we try trying to say as far as possible, maybe it's not just the company, the earnings of the company, but the earnings which are related to the employee or the employees where the, the employer has been found at fault you know, regarding those particular employees or, uh, or, uh, or employee. So that is our, uh, we have made a proposal on this one, but uh, our general approach is that we should have grading, you know, the penalties shouldn't be blanket, uh, uh, sort of 10% of your earnings, whatever small or big uh, discrepancy or, or the religion you, you have, um, uh, that has been found to be on the part of the employer. I hope I have covered uh, most of the questions, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Pelfo. I've seen Mr. Nonsele's hand is also up. Uh, Honorable Nonsele. No, no, Chair. I think the, 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 thank you, Chair. Thanks for the presentation by the Minerals Council. And the, I think uh, Dr. Uh, Balfour has uh, almost in her concluding remarks uh, responded to what I would have ordinarily raised uh, on the question of how, what would be the appropriate uh, method for, 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 for punishment. <clears throat> because I would have made an example of saying the employer would always not take into account the fact that when you use the employee's earnings, 
they would not take into account that taking taking into account that uh, some of the employees may not may be the lowest earners, and therefore their annual uh, income would not necessarily constitute any any significant uh, amount that would in fact be a deterrent to the employer. But she then comes with an an approach that talks to progress of the of the of the of the of the offense. As part of our discussion, Chair, uh, then uh, maybe look at the various uh, options. But I think she has made a much more better uh, uh, response to it. Hence, I'm saying I would rather withdraw, not follow the question. Thank you, Chair. No, thank, thank you very I, much. Thank you very much, honorable members. Mr. Ansela, you lower your hand. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. Lusufi. I'm, I'm not sure whether you, is there anything else you want to, to raise? If there is none, in the absence of any follow-up questions, we want to thank you uh, for honoring your, 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 your presentation. And uh, we will then, you are invited. You can still be, you can log on uh, and listen to what uh, other, uh, other uh, presenters are really going to put in front of, of, of us. And having said that, Mr. Sakaza, can you then uh, invite the next uh, company or a person or persons who want to make an oral uh, submission. Chair, okay. uh, unfortunately, I was trying to get hold of them because they apparently the program was given uh, the time of two o'clock, of which we mentioned that it's only provisional depending on the previous one. Can I just can I check with Porsche bosses just for me now to check if they are here? That's a minute, sir. Uh, sorry, honourable members, for that because we thought that uh, presenters will 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 have long submissions, but by the looks, it means it 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 is that uh, we are the, the others that have been given time may then be uh, not yet ready. I'm just waiting for Mr. Sakaza to indicate so that I, I make a proposal that if, if they're not ready, we break now and we rejoin at two, but that will be subject to what then is the, is the communication. Yes, Mr. Sakaza. They, they've just sent a, 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 an email to say that they are in a meeting, but can they be given just up until uh, <coughs> 12.30? That's just three, four minutes, okay, seven minutes now. <coughs> Can we take a... Ten minutes break. Ten minutes.
propose that uh, members don't log out, just a uh, leg stretch for 10 minutes. We'll come back. Thank you, Jay. Okay. All right, thank you very much.